Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie, or we praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com is the email. You can get us on any of our socials. Could be Facebook, could be Twitter, could be Instagram or Letterboxd, and that would be bestpicturecast. Just type in Best Picture Cast to find us. We're up on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe and review. And we're back yet again for another Best Picture winner here. And I have with me four gentlemen to discuss a movie here that is certainly a, a heavy in-topic material movie. One that we're ready to tackle here today. It's a little tougher, a little more serious than some of the movies we've discussed so far. But we have great gentlemen here to do so. And I'm going to start by introducing... Grant Z. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Um, excited to talk about this movie. Like you said, it's a very heavy movie, and it's it was a tough watch, but I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, We'll discuss the narrative and all that a lot, but it's definitely one that is dense in history, too, which makes oh, it of course, yeah. all, the, all the more tougher as well. So we have with us as well a frequent contributor here, and he is Joey R. Joey, how are you doing today? Good. I actually really second Grant for... A very heavy, dense movie. I, I just have a really excited to discuss it and really get into it because I just think there's so much to talk about and really have a really productive conversation about it. I'm excited to do it with you dudes. Absolutely. And with us today for his first full episode of Best Picture Cast, he's a voice you've heard before here. If you've been following our tournaments, he's been on a couple of the preview and recap uh, for the horror and the sub-50 and the animation he's been in the mix too. And so he's been a contributor in the past, and he's here for the full deal now, and he is Steve B. Steve, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, like Grant and Joey said, um, very deep uh, film, and being a history buff, I'm excited to talk about it, because um, not only is it heavy and deep, but it's important to discuss uh, films like this, uh, especially what Steve McQueen did with 12 Years a Slave. So thanks for having me, and I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Absolutely, and and you have a uh, a unique contribution here today as well because you delved into the source material this week and and you read the the 12 Years a Slave 
manuscripts, the, the memoirs of, of Solomon North, Northrup. Yeah, my master's is in history, and I like primary source documents. And when the movie ended, I went down to a local bookstore, Book Review in Huntington, great bookstore, uh, and they had a used copy of his primary source manuscript, um, published 1852, uh, not long after he, got, he arrived back. And um, it wasn't a hard read, and in, you know, in fact, it was it was well written and, and thought out, and his memory is incredible. So I might jump in a little bit and discuss some of the stuff that I found out reading that. A couple differences with the film, like normal Hollywood stuff. Well, uh, sure, yeah. And we'll talk about some of that. I think it's important to bring that up as well. It's a great addition. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited you read. I looked at part of it, but I didn't get the whole thing. So that's that's really great because the history part and the importance of it is all over the place so that's yeah. really cool yeah and uh, i'll certainly have a bunch of questions as far as how it was portrayed on screen and how that comes across or how the how the book comes across and, oh, yeah. and how much of it was true to it and, and whatnot so that that's going to be interesting to talk about here yeah so one of the things that that i i really appreciate about what we do here at best picture cast and we often do have a lot of fun and we goof around endlessly and yeah. and talk about all sorts of wacky things here but one of the things that i like about about this podcast and one of the things i like about about the list that we are working off of is that each episode and each movie they, they take on their own mood and yeah. they're very different movies i mean if, if in the larger scheme of things the best picture winners are all co coming from more or less the same cut of movie but they create different moods and sometimes we're talking about you know, a, a wacky musical like an American in Paris where, right. you know, where, why is this guy wearing cap <laughs> shoes around right. town here? Right. And then there's other times where, you know, things things get a, a little more serious and we're trying to kind of navigate through social cues like a crash, Grant, your first episode. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's other times where we're just just drooling over a movie like, a you know, like a an Amadeus or a Godfather or, you know, and this is one where we're really tackling some heavy subject material here. Of course, yeah. Probably more so than any other movie on this list. I'm sure Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this and Schindler's List are the two really heavy hitters in terms of subject material. Yeah, so just, you know, of course, I, I think we have to just do a little bit of a disclaimer before this thing. You know, none of us are, are sociology experts here or, or masters of, of the topic we're about to tackle here. And we are doing so with, with what we consider the utmost sensitivity with what we're doing here. This is a recreational podcast. You know, we're not, uh, we're not pushing any agendas here or no. trying to make any bold statements to, uh, to offend anyone or anything like that. So, uh, as always, you know, in a, in a long conversation, we have our humor. We use, you know, we use our jokes where, where, where they work. But we're approaching this with, with I think, the utmost, the utmost sensitivity and in, a, in an intuitive respectful manner so i i hope you guys stick with us here at this point we're we're looking forward to it and, we, and i, I want to just emphasize too that we're really excited to talk about the movie making and the filmmaking that went on here because yeah, i think absolutely. that's very important too yeah huge and there's so much to it because it's the history and also just a fantastic looking and really well-made film yes so yeah. we get to do the entire thing and you know just our our jokes and the laughter are coping for <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. deep things and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you stick around with us, too, by the end, we're also going to have an interesting conversation about a movie that this went up against in, at the Oscars in what was probably one of the closest Best Picture races in the history, and that's Gravity. 
And it's a movie I watched for the first time today. Steve, you watched it for the first time I this week as well. Today as well. Grant and Joey, you had previously seen it before. I saw it on a plane one time. Okay, so <laughs> I, saw, I saw it in the theaters. And okay, that, that so, was it. so we're, we're, we're approaching that all from various different viewing experiences. But I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there about this movie versus that movie. They're the only movies to ever tie at the uh, Producers Guild Awards. Oh, in the history of the wow. awards. So, really? yeah, there's never been a tie except for that year. So, and usually, not always, but a lot of times, the winner of the, of the Producers Guild Guess wins the Best Picture. Okay, then. So okay. it's interesting for that to be tied there. And, you know, it, the other thing about Gravity, too, is it won seven Oscars, which is yeah. the most out of any movie right. in, that, in that decade. Wow. So okay. for it to not win Best Picture, it had to have been close. So at the end of this, as we always... You know, it's not a who should have won podcast, as we always say. We do talk about those those other nominees at the end. So we will have kind of a larger conversation about uh, this versus gravity. And maybe there will be some gravity spoilers there at the very end. So you, if you feel free to hang out until then if, if you don't want to get the spoilers for that at that point. But we're, we're now moving into the discussion here of 12 Years a Slave, where there will be no, no holding back of spoilers of what goes on in this movie. There's a lot to discuss here. Yeah, so, watch them. Watch this movie first before you listen to this. And, I would, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Streaming on Hulu, right? Some Hulu. of our episodes you could listen to and enjoy. This without the movie, I think, would be a disservice to the to the movie, to the podcast, to the listening experience. Yeah. So I'm going to start with you, Steve. Was this a first time viewing for you? No, I saw it in the theaters. Oh wow! When it came out. Um, you know, it really interested in history, specifically U.S. history. Um, so when it came out, I, I went to the theaters and saw it, and um, I still remember my experience seeing it and being moved by it and upset by it um, and reading into it a little bit more at the time. Uh, so I have not watched it since 2013 when it came out. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and then it recently, yeah. Yeah, and revisited it this week. Wow. Okay, Grant, first view for you. Um, my first full view. Okay. I've seen, I've caught bits and pieces here and there. Um, but this was the first time that I sat down and watched it from, from top to bottom. Tough one to catch bits and pieces yeah. out of context. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, the I most mean, difficult scene in the movie was the one I, I oh. saw, like, without, <laughs> you know, just, I was, I was like, oh, okay, is this, okay. <laughs> I, was like, this, yeah. I was like, I was like, this movie is <laughs> really, really heavy and it deserves my full attention and I can't yeah, not just, this. I can't. You, it's not a movie you can dip in and out. Of. No, right, right. <laughs> but, but also, not, not that any of it's any easier to watch in context either. I mean, so oh no, but at least it's yeah. You know, you're not like flicking through like Saved by the Bell reruns and yeah, you right, pop right. that on. They're like, oh, it says halfway through. Let me yeah. just watch it through. No, no, no. It's not like not that kind of movie. Would, Joey, how about I would just argue that it doesn't get any play, like replay. No. Oh no, it's so I, no. I don't hear about it. Um, as far as like being, you know, streaming, I know Hulu has right. it now. Yeah. But like, I haven't really, you know, I saw it. But other movies are pushed out. I know it's a tough watch. I think that's yeah. why it isn't, you know, on reruns a lot yeah. on these streaming sure. platforms. Yeah, and that's an interesting thought. I want to get back to that. Right. I just want Joe. Was yeah. this your Was this your first feeling? No, I saw it right after it won the Oscar. Um, I watched it. I said, I understand, and I moved on. I, I yeah. read a little bit about it because that's just what I do. And then I just kind of went. I was excited to look at it, you know, with a different eye this time coming in. And, I, you know, I watched it twice and really ready to talk about it. But I, I think Steve's point is really good because even on Hulu, 
I, it's been on Hulu for a while. I had no idea, and I'm on Hulu searching yeah. for things all the time. That's not something that pops up. And even right after the Oscars this year, they put up like an Oscar winner tab, and that wasn't it wasn't even under that. Yeah, oh, wow. like you search all these movies. They had movies that won, you know, the Best Actor twenty years ago, but this didn't. That one Best Picture wasn't in the list, and I was like, wow, okay, you have to like search for this one. Yeah, I was happy to see that it was streaming because Steve, to your point, this is one that kind of they gave a statue to and kind of ran away from a little bit and it's, and you know for the most part oscar winning movies or at least the best picture winning movies there's not a lot of graphic violence yeah. and and we i talked about this a little bit with with the with Django and Chains was up i think it was up against the, Argo the year before i think right yeah it was the year yeah, before, yeah. Was the year yeah. before. so cuz I, I saw that uh, Christoph Waltz presented the presented the supporting right. actress oscar but i think that you know one of the points i said with the django was is that it wasn't really gonna win best picture just because there's some graphic violence in there that i don't think the academy is gonna sure. is gonna go with and if you go through all of the movies i mean braveheart's very violent um no country for old men is is violence kind of a different kind of violence yeah. platoon has that one very disturbing scene more violence is and i guess I it goes to braveheart too but yeah that's a good point P- platoon but for the most part, they're not very violent movies. What's What sets this movie apart with the violence that it's very visceral. Mm-hmm. There's also this huge attachment of guilt kind of thrown onto it. And I think that kind of magnifies the violence in the movie yeah. a little bit more. As an American, it's kind of shameful in a way. Yeah. How, the, how, the, how this violence is depicted and, and all that. You go against Django. I mean, Django was based on things that happened but it was fiction where this sure. is like yeah fiction right. in like a western it's yeah. not right. but yeah. it's also like you know really brought up and made well, bigger for where this car- is cartoonish right yeah where this is now this is Real. off yeah. a man's book off a man yeah. some you know slaver we all know how bad it is but we don't know how bad it is how bad right. it was so yeah. that to really sit there and see it and have to sit in the uncomfortability of it and understand that we're seeing a percentage of it because we're seeing one man's experience with it yeah. is it makes you think about what else are we not seeing yeah but the, the thing with tarantino with django the it's, slave violence is very real it's very realistic yeah and the cartoonish violence is the shootouts and and all that stuff where you see limbs flying off and right. just huge blood packets exploding right but the the slave violence is not authentic, but it it feels a lot more grounded. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, when when I when I was saying cartoonish, like, there's a oh, cartoon, no, I, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But there's a cartoonish tone it's to, a, the, to the overall course, movie. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and that yeah, right. Yeah, that one scene is very right. uh, yeah, that one scene is very visceral and not <laughs> right. Yeah, not but it's sensationalized. Where this is nothing is sensationalized. You sit in it. Yeah. So so yeah. this is a movie that I saw toward the end of my quest to see these. To all these movies, it was a movie I didn't really want to watch for it's, a lot of reasons. I'm sure you can imagine. It's heavy, yeah. Yeah, and I, I finally, you know, I, I brought myself to watch it toward the end there when I only had a handful left. It was probably about three, three years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Okay. And I think I was just, I was so my view, the the state of mind I was in to watch it, I was really ready to go on like a tour de force roller coaster. Yeah. That I, I I lived in the movie in that moment, and I just kind of moved on, you know. Mm-hmm. And Joey, kind of similar to what you said. So when I watched it this time, it was uh, it was just so much worse than yeah. I remembered it. It's the movie is so it's so visceral. I think someone someone used yeah. that word already. It's it's so unapologetic. It's unflinching. It it is yeah. just there, there's a word I was thinking of before that I'm not quite grasping now, but oh it, I have it now. It's relentless. Yes, it's a relentless yes. movie. And it, it just it just isn't it's 
isn't going to apologize for the state of mind you are while you're watching it. it right. You are you are going to get get confronted with this shit. Yeah. And I think a very important movie. I, I really do. Yeah. And and I, I know that maybe for whatever reason this is a movie that people look at and and go, eh, is that the best picture winner? Or was that was you know what's going on there? I think we'll we'll talk about that a little bit yeah, also yeah. as we get closer to the awards. Yeah. But I, I think this movie belongs here. I agree. Yeah, oh, it's totally it seems for me to think that anyone would think this doesn't deserve a best right. picture winner. Well, I think well, people I, don't see it and just think like, oh, well, people want to it's a race. It's a right. Well, yeah, just, to avoid seeing a movie like this, I think this movie should be mandatory watching. It's amazing, for, yeah. For, for, for anybody. For yeah. high school kids in history classes. Agreed, yeah. The book, after reading the book, I think that I should have already read that book. Like, right. I think that it's important for history. Yeah. Um, I think you, you you say how important the film is. The film is so important, and I'll get more into Steve McQueen and what I think about him later, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll all discuss that. Um, I think he did such a beautiful job as far as bringing this to the forefront as a, as like, hey, people need to watch this. People need to know about the, Solomon and his story. Um, and this should be pushed yeah. further. In, yeah, 100%. In, 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 in not just a statue. Okay, they, they won. Right. I think it's like after watching it again, and the first time I saw it, I had tears in my eyes. And the second time I saw it, and when I think about it, when I read the book, um, I just think it's so important. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It should have won by a landslide. Yeah. I, I think I think this movie winning the winning the Oscar did a lot of good for it because if it didn't win, I mean, obviously we wouldn't be talking about it now. I don't think I'd ever see it mm. if it was the if that was the case. And I think people you know, having the gold statue attached to it does make it a little bit more appealing in a way. Yeah. It's just, it's a heavy movie. The amount of substance there is not, it's not just one thing. It's just on layer and layer and layer where yeah. you have to pay attention. That makes good movies. When I normally watch like serious good movies, I try to, I don't pause. I just watch it through because I want to be in it. And at one point I, I hit pause. My wife was like, you don't pause movies. I was like, I, I need a cupcake. Like, <laughs> I went and got a cupcake because I was like, I need, I was like, I need to breathe for like two seconds. And I think that's just a testament to what Steve McQueen did, what the movie did, the con tent the themes and uh, it just you know it doesn't let you it doesn't let you settle in or feel comfortable it keeps you on your toes the whole time and i think that's why it's so important yeah yeah and you know in addition to me saying that it, it was a lot more ruthless than i remembered it i i don't think i realized my first viewing how strong the filmmaking is in this movie Very strong. And, and now Absolutely. that we're kind of you know a little honed in on this where we're recording these things weekly and we're yeah you know we're analyzing all this stuff I mean, there's really no aspect of this movie that's lacking as far as the no. the technicalities go, as whether you're talking the, editing the, or the score or the or the cinematography, all that, all that stuff, the sound. You know, it oh just. Oh my god. Yeah, it's 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 it's. I'm looking forward every, to talking about this. Every, every every choice. Sorry, every every choice McQueen and the cast and crew made was the right choice. Yeah. yeah. It, really, they, I don't. There's it's not lacking in anything. Like you yeah. said. Yeah. Agreed. Well, to piggyback off what Karen just said. I, in my world of films, and I look at films, you know, I've been studying films since college, and I love them. I consider this a masterclass film, and I don't have a lot of masterclass films. Okay. Well. And you bring up the point about every aspect of the film, and we'll talk more about it, but I wanted to get that word out there, masterclass, because I, I think not a lot of films can say that. And, it, you know, the, it's, being that it's a true story... I think helps that become a masterclass for him. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I think we're just about ready to deep dive this this baby here. I do want to talk about before we go. Let's talk about what we're sipping on here to more or less lighten the mood if we have to. Um, <laughs> a little break in the tension for us. Uh, that's right. Uh, Steve, you're 
let's let you go first here. With your debut, you're you're coming <laughs> you're coming in hot with debut a debut of your own. Yeah, I'm drinking a birthday gift here, Casamigos uh, Inejo mm-hmm. on the rocks, um, and I felt like it's a nice you know summer night, but deep conversation here, so I, I went with the uh, hard stuff. A great top shelf tequila, okay. and could yeah. tie into this year a little movie wise too because that was originally George Clooney's tequila brand he's since oh, sold it off but yeah. that's right yep and he, oh, he sold it a little gravity uh, connection yeah, yeah okay. a little gravity connection there so Joey what do you have here this evening so I have um, I think a pod favorite brewery barrier brewing oh, yeah. absolutely um, which is I think is one of the best around and I went with the shore shaker which is nice light IPA it's fantastic I actually stopped by the brewery a couple weeks ago to have a drink and I had this for the first time and I bought a bunch of it I thought this was a good time just Drink something light and keep me on my toes. Exciting stuff. I love it. And I have, as it's a nice uh, summer night here, as you can hear the, the crickets around us chirping away, I have a Sam Adams Summer Ale. Beautiful. Okay. It's, been a, it's been a hot summer up here in the Northeast, so it's a nice beer to cool you down. Okay, so I think it, it's time for the deep dive. Gentlemen, are we ready? Extremely. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the year is 2013. And the President of the United States is Barack Obama. He is inaugurated into his second term of office in January of 13 in his historic presidential tenure. The 2013 World Series saw, and it is a Boston Red Sox World Series. People around here aren't happy about that. But it is a Boston Red Sox championship, and it's the first of four that will cross our paths here at Best Picture Cast. The Boston Red Sox defeated the St. Louis Cardinals four games to two in the fourth meeting in history between the two teams in the Fall Classic. Uh, A true meeting of number one seeds as well as the first time the top-ranked teams in each league faced off in the World Series since 1999. Crazy to think that it took that long for the two top seeds to get there. The Red Sox were managed by the team's former pitching coach, John Farrell, and the series MVP was Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Ortiz became the first non-Yankee to win three World Series with the same team since Jim Palmer of the Orioles in 1983. The number one song of the year, gentlemen, it is Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. All right. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Ryan Lewis, very much the Marty Jannetty to Macklemore's <laughs> Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Have not thought about that song since 2013. Yep, that's right. A good tune. White white rap in its prime. Or that's kind of like late white rap. I yeah, guess. that's, that's, that's right. I yep. mean, white rap in its prime is Beastie Boys. Or Eminem, probably. Yeah, probably. But, Eight yeah. Mile. Like, yeah. Eight Th- this mile was time. grasping at the last straws. Right, that's right. Other number one hits from 2013 include what I thought was the number one song of this year. Because as we get like a little, like the 2010s, I have a pretty good grasp of, of like what the top songs were. Same with the 90s. The 2000s, I'm, I'm lost because <laughs> the 2000s pop music is brutal. But it, uh, I, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. I thought for sure okay. that was the number one song. Oh, I would have thought year. that was number one. Yeah, yeah real big one. It's a Pharrell in the mix there. Also, Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> a lot of heat uh, from that. Oh, oh my God. Artie is cursing at, at his device back I home. just heard him yell from across town. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. We don't have him for his get, get off my lawn segment here. <laughs> Uh, Country Crossover Cruise by Florida Georgia Line featuring <laughs> Nelly. Uh, Ho Hey by the Lumineers. I love that song. Good song. Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars. Great song, too. And as mentioned last week, the first instrumental song to go number one since the 1980s when the theme of Miami Vice and the theme from Chariots of Fire went number one on the Billboard charts. Any guesses, guys? We did this last week, so faithful Ooh. listeners Instrumental. Will know. Instrumental. Yes, 2013. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It, it involves a viral video. 
people who have already heard the Chariots of Fire, which is not out yet right. as of this recording, will are rolling their eyes because they've already gone heard this segment with other people. <laughs> but it was the Harlem Shake. You remember the Harlem oh, Shake? Oh, I love the Harlem Shake. Yeah, yeah. that was the where the the video where uh, like people would be walking around doing things, yeah. and then and when then the feet dropped, yeah. they'd be wearing wacky costumes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have never gotten that if we spent the next twenty minutes trying. I might, I might <laughs> have. Gotten I would not have. So two episodes in a row where we give the Harlem Shake its little. It's a We're, BPC is there. reviving the Harlem Shake on its own accord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we got to post our own Harlem Shake music video. Here. And it's just Artie it's, doing yeah. the art. <laughs> here's, here's something I know you don't know. Who's the artist of the Harlem Shake? No, no idea. idea. It is uh, Harlem Shakers. Bauer. Bauer. Spelled B-A-A-U-E-R. Like a, like a villain in 24 might scream it out. So like the hockey stuff just with an extra A? With an extra A. That's exactly right. That's so, Seems like lazy writing. The Best Picture winner is 12 Years a Slave, was directed by Sir Steve McQueen, produced by several, including Brad Pitt and Steve McQueen. Adapted screenplay by John Ridley is based on 12 Years a Slave, the memoirs of Solomon Northrup. Music's by Hans Zimmer, someone we've talked about quite a bit here at Best Picture Cast, both our Lion King episode as well as our Rain Man episode. Cinematography by Sean Bobbitt. You'll also... See his work in movies such as A Place Between the Pines and Judas and the Black Messiah. Film editing is done by Joe Walker, who also edited Arrival, Blade Runner 2043, and the upcoming Dune movie. So he does big years, movies. Yeah, yeah. 12 Years a Slave is starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, Lupita Nyong'o, Michael Fassbender, Sarah Paulson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Paul Giamatti, Paul Dano, Michael K. Williams, and Brad Pitt. It was nominated for nine Oscars. It was the winner of three, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress, Lupita Nyong'o, Best Adapted Screenplay, John Ridley. Other awards it was nominated for but did not win. Best Director, Steve McQueen. Best Actor, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Best Supporting Actor, Michael Fassbender. Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing. So, 12 Years a Slave certainly made its impact in that, in that Oscars in 2013. We talked about Gravity before being the other one. We'll get more into to that end of the conversation toward the end of this podcast. Where do we start with this movie, guys? Um, I, I think when I look at it, I want to start myself with, with the pacing mm-hmm. and how brisk this movie moves and how it does not... It, not only does it not give you a chance to take a breath, but it really doesn't allow your attention to waver either. And a lot of these movies we see, even some, some of the heavier ones, there's moments where you may go in and out and there's, there's moments of steep drama and other ones some of levity, of some yeah, levity right. or some conversation. This one, is, this one moves pretty quickly. And I'll say one takeaway before I kick it off to you guys is I forgot how quickly he gets captured. I thought there was oh, more very, going on yeah. in the beginning of this one. But. There's no fluff. Mm. There's, right. it's no, there's no filler at no. all. Every, every scene that's in this movie has a purpose and it either drives the plot or drives the theme and or one of the many themes mm-hmm. and there's nothing's nothing's wasted and i think movies that are so heavy and so compact thematically they usually throw in some stupid funny scene in the middle to break the tension and it always takes away from the overall movie i think and this just doesn't waste your time with that it says no this is what we're doing they they had a very clear vision and they made sure that everything you saw mattered. It made you think. It made you pay attention. And it and it it made you work. And I, I respect that. Yeah. And what what Kieran said as far as like getting right into it, uh, I for whatever reason when I first viewed the the film, I 
I thought it was longer until he got captured, but he meets Hamilton in, in Moon within the first ten minutes of the of the film. You know, maybe that real quick, and it yeah. gets right into it. Um, and I think again after after going through the memoir. It, it kind of just gets right into it. I thought it was a little more like family life stuff and and things that led up to it. Yeah. Right. But it kind of just got it's, right It's into funny. It. I had the same memory because I really felt like we sat more with the family, but the family yeah. was yeah. just so tight. I think where, where everyone thinks that the family thing was so long is because the family, the dynamic, and the relationship that they all have gets so perfectly set up within five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it just they it tells you everything you need to know about the family. It tells you what the wife does. Tells you like the relationship with the children. It sets that up so well that it feels like you've known them forever. Feels lived in. Yeah. All all the while cutting in some of that foreshadowing for what will go later on. Because the first thing you see yes. in this movie is kind of that odd. I, when he's I, with I the view judge. it as a little bit of an odd choice. Well, when when he's laying next to the other woman, then yeah. he'll see with the judge. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah when, he's with, when, he, when he's with the judge, and, he's, and the, now that other was that another was that another slave? Was another slave. That yeah. A, yeah, they were just in the slaves' quarters. Okay. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's people searching for attachment in dehumanizing ways, and then Which after it realized. So so Where in the, the very beginning of the movie, it shows him lying next to the woman, and they yeah. have you know she sexual grabbed, encounter. Yeah. She takes his hand, puts it on her breast. Can I bring and up something about that now or no? Yeah, yeah, let's go because yeah. there's obviously yeah. more information around it because they didn't go too much into so it in the movie. So there's three things that I was going to bring up later on that are not in his right. memoirs, and that is one of them. Yeah, Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And throughout the, his entire memoir, he discusses his children and how much he yearns for them. And you know, Steve McQueen was asked about why he did that like because that's not in his memoirs. He didn't sleep with somebody. Like He was so devoted to his wife and children that he would never do that and doesn't speak about that in his memoir. And it was more about trying to show the audience a comfort that like they, they, they still have an attack, they could still have relationships with, with each other. Um, but that part of the film was Hollywood in a sense. Right. It, and it did yeah. stick out to me as an odd choice. Yeah. I will say, because I think yeah. we're going to do, be doing a lot of praising of this movie. Yeah. It just feels like yeah. uh, after our initial uh, intro here. But that well, that's one, even in, in kind of re going through it again today and in my note taking watch, it just, it sticks out as like an odd, it's the first thing you see in the movie and then yeah. we revisit it in the middle. Interesting choice. It obviously then cuts directly to him being in bed with his right. wife. So maybe it was his way of remembering his wife. But there is also reluctancy in that scene, too. Right. But it, yeah. it, an interesting way to start the movie. I think part of it, too, was to show the juxtaposition of what his romantic life was before he got captured. Yeah. And now that he is a slave. Yeah. Right. And it, it shows, like, just how... how fucked up everything is. Right. She goes right to crying. She turns yes. and cries. Because yeah. I think it's, you know, just the... Just every day, it's just being treated less and less like a human. So you look for any connection, and then you take it, and then it's, you realize, like, that, that's it. Like, you're back, mm. even though there is this kind of dopamine burst, but you're back in reality right away, and you just realize just the despair is right there. Do you guys think that it should have been put in? If it wasn't in his memoirs, do you think it should have been put in the, well, the movie? We've talked about this before, how Hollywood takes liberties yeah. with story. Do I think... It made the movie. Like, could have been, could it not have been in, and it would have been just fine. Yeah, but there was a, you know, you have to, you have to give the director, or the writer, some artistic license when adapting, and right. not every, not everything is going to be a true adaptation. And, yeah. and I think for me, it didn't make me think less of him as a man, mm -hmm. as a husband, as a father. Where if if it was something so severe, where I was like, oh, maybe this guy wasn't this person in his 
in his life, but I think it didn't. I think it served the purpose in a very tight vacuum. So I think I'm okay with it. To answer your question from my from my point of view, I thought it was totally out of place, personally. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It, it, it just, it didn't match the beat of the rest of the movie for me. It's so it's so, and I had no idea that it wasn't in his memoirs. That's, so that's it, it, it stood also. out a little bit to me. Yeah. Like, wow, you just brought that up because that was one of the things I was like. Interesting. I, once I read, the, I read through, I'm like, that never happened. Then I Googled it. And he was actually questioned on that. Yeah. Like, why, did wow. you, why did you put that in the film? So I'm looking forward to hearing the other two things that yeah. weren't in there as we yeah. go, too. But I want to say, too, last week's episode, boy, poor Chariot's Fire took, took quite a beating. And, um, <laughs> and, and specifically one of the places where it took a beating was the film editor. And the, the film editor of Chariot's Fire, who edited Alien and the original Blade Runner, so a, a, a talented guy, really, I thought, was, struggled mightily in that movie. And I, I'm happy that we're discussing this a week later as a juxtaposition from this week to last week because I thought the film editing in this movie, Steve, you used the word masterclass before. Yeah. I thought it was as, as – it's, it's everything that we were talking about last week that was lacking in mm-hmm. Chariots of Fire was done right in this movie. It, the, the shifting of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back and forth and, and doing it so seamlessly. Never so, disorienting. No, never. That, Joey, that's yeah. the word. It's never disorienting. The mm-hmm. viewer never has to take a step back and say, wait a minute, where right. am I now? What, like, it it, makes, it's just smooth yeah. moves. When, and when you came back to the judge later in the movie, you said, oh, that's where he was in the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't like, wait, I think I've seen this before. I mean, I, my yeah. notes on the editing is editing was perfect. Little, little devices like the blackberries and the bacon. Two, the the co- colorful mm-hmm. and, and visual things that a, that a viewer is going to... No viewer is going to see a slice of bacon and forget it. Right. Whether right. they love bacon or hate it. It's a, and, and the blackberry, it's such a visual... It's such a visual item, yeah, you right. know, and, like especially on the tin plate. Yeah, yeah, it and, stands and out. just yeah. a way to bring the person back. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a magic trick in filmmaking. Yeah, there, there are two edits. Well, we can get to them once we when we approach that those parts of the movie. But there are two edits in this movie in particular that I thought some of the best examples of editing I've seen. Wow, it's like yeah, ju- like the jump cuts, like where yeah. mm. and the drawn out the, the drawn out shots. And we'll talk about Run, Jordan, Run and all those things. Right. But yeah. when you see Run, Jordan, Run, and that's such a powerful scene, and then it cuts to a long shot of Cotton Candy sky, sky suit. They, I think that Steve McQueen wants you to think about, and worked with the editor, wants you to think about what you just saw, and that's why they're using these long shots. Or like right. after a brutal scene, the soap scene, or whatever it may be, they cut to something, and you sit there for like 10, 15, right. 20 seconds looking into a beautiful landscape. Yeah, to digest, yeah. digest so a little bit. Right. going on to yeah. digest what just happened. And I think so much of what's impressive about the editing is when they knew to let it sit, like you're saying. Yeah. They really, they, they didn't... Yeah. They didn't let it. Oh, this might be uncomfortable to watch. Let's yeah. let's move. No, no, no. There, we're staying in there. We're not going to edit it. Yeah. We're going to cut it. We're going to move around it. Yeah. And so much of kind of people, you know. Okay, let's let's do this here. Let's cut in and out real quick to yeah. break it up. And it does such a good job of not doing that. They made a very deliberate decision to say no. We want everyone to sit in this. Mm-hmm. We want yeah, everyone. Digestion. We yep. want everyone to experience this and to live in it like the way that these slaves had to live in this yeah. and we will not apologize for it right. and yeah. because we want you to see what is happening yeah and there's one scene in particular that really really yes. defines that I mean, oh, yeah. which is very impressive so we'll get there talk about the his capture a little bit here there's, these two characters here are trying to get him to go 
yeah. on the uh, on the circus Hamilton here. Hamilton and Brown. Hamilton and Brown, yeah, yeah. these two scumbags here. And uh, they look like characters in the, um, the that would sit at the Mad Hatter's table in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> they, are, there. they are dapperly dressed. Yeah, with yeah. Two weeks pay, a dollar a day. What can you lose? We'll go down to yeah. D.C. A, a circus doesn't quite do it justice here. Yeah. Multi-show. Two yes. absolute oh, scummers. And when, well, you see, when you see him drink the wine and them fake drink the wine, just your, my stomach and, dropped. And they kept on pouring more yep. and more into his my, cup. Just my stomach dropped. Um, I was like, oh, no. He discusses that, too, and, and talks about And I guess I'll be the one that talks about the memoir. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's no, it. No, that's no, it. Hey, someone that's uh, a... So he talks about that at length. That he, he doesn't know if it... He's like, I don't know. Even after he was huh. captured and, and, and talks about this... He says, yeah, I don't know if it was them. Like, I still thought they were like my friends. Right. And, you know, it seems pretty obvious that he was drugged. Even in the in the book, he, he gets really ill and wakes up super thirsty, goes downstairs, gets some water from some servants in, a, in, in the hotel he was at, goes back to sleep, can't sleep, wakes up. But he says multiple times, like, throughout the narrative, I don't know if it was those two gentlemen. And wow. that shows so much of the type of person he was, yeah, that he wasn't, trusted. he wasn't, right, he trusted them. And right. even afterwards, he was like, no, they wouldn't, people wouldn't do that. Something yeah. else it's, happened. It's that inconceivable right. that a free man from New York would have gotten abducted and sold into slavery. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. nobody would be that evil today. Right. And boy, when you see them, when you see him in those chains... Boy, that is evil incarnate right there. I mean, it's just it's something that you'd expect to see in a in in a Saw movie right. or something like yeah. that. And and this 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 movie had horror movie beats to it. You oh, know, yeah. as far well, as yeah, like, it, the it, moments of Hans Zimmer's score. Terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's pure terror. And yeah. it's it's not anything that's manif- manufactured in some sort no. of studio or anything. I mean, this is like this is the Re- horrors of real life. Yeah. I mean, when when he first whips him and. You know, he's screaming, he says, you're a slave. He said, no. And he said, you're Platt. You're from, you're a runaway from Georgia. And then he whips him again and just the blood just misting off of him. It's That was, we see, we see that again later yes. in the soap scene. Yep. The, the mist. The mist of blood so is so much more. And it's it just, it, it causes so much more of a reaction than just like pools. Yeah. Because it's just, it it's shows realistic. how intense and it's personal and yeah. it's realistic. Um, that first scene when he wakes up and he's, you know, he's like, no. And he's trying to be pragmatic about it almost. And just these, just the evil that he's not aware he's yeah. facing yet. Yeah. And, then, you know, then it goes to the scene of just, you see in the Capitol and then him screaming for help all in there. It's just, holy shit. What are yeah, Steve, I know you want to talk a little bit about that shot. Oh, the Capitol shot. I know you have a segment at the end with your favorite quote, like what quote you kind of pull from the film. And mm-hmm. I have a quote from the book. I kind of want to read about that. I don't know if you want me to do it now or not. But when I first yeah, watched... Well, when, when I, we do the quotes, we do them as we go. So let's, yeah, uh, yeah. let's hear it. Yeah. yeah, so when I first rewatched the film, when they pan up from the slave pen in D.C. to the... Capitol building? Yeah. I was like, all right, that's mm-hmm. Steve McQueen kind of adding the Capitol building there. I, I thought that might have been a little Hollywood. Right. And as I'm reading it, like right in the beginning of this, of the book, I'm pulling it out now so I can read it. All right, so this is quotes from the, from the memoir. The building to which the yard was attached was two stories high, fronting on one of the public streets of Washington. Its outside presented only the appearance of a quiet private residence. A stranger looking at it would never have dreamed of its terrible uses. Strange as it, as it may seem, within plain sight of the same house, looking down from its commanding height upon it was the Capitol. The voices of patriotic representatives boisting of freedom and equality and rattling off poor slaves' chains almost 
commingled, period. A slave pen within the very shadow of the Capitol, exclamation point. So that's Showing. why that shot is so yeah. perfect, yeah. because it's so true. Yeah. It was wow. in the shadow of the Capitol. It, just watching that blew my mind. Like, I got chills, and it's just devastating. And then to read, hear that is... Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great passage. And actually, because it, it's, it's both truthful, and it actually does set up storytelling where... This is a free man. Get it's in this, this terrible. He just found himself in this terrible situation, and in the back is the intersection of America, you mm-hmm. know, and where everything kind of comes to pass. And it's a it's a it's an interesting analogy, like yeah. you know, even even if it was real, just from a storytelling standpoint, it's a great analogy for what slavery was. Yeah, you're right. Even if it wasn't true, like I think that still would have been okay for yeah. for them to add that right. because, because it's so effective. It's right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. It adds it adds the point. Like, I didn't think it was actually in the shadow of the Capitol. Yeah, it's amazing. But, yeah. like, it's and beautifully written there, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. really Fantastic. well written. Yeah. Uh, so it, the, the two guys that kind of escort him around there, too, one of them has, has popped up on Best Picture cast here before. Scoot and McNary. Uh, yeah, Bill Camp there oh, is yeah. also. We saw I thought no, oh, about, about Scoot McNary, who was in uh, Argo and a few other movies. Yeah. Is that right? He's one of the other two he, he guys was, He too. was brown. He was he was uh he was brown. Yeah. Oh, the two guys who yeah. oh the, the guys. first two guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gotcha. The other, okay, guy, yeah, so... the other guy was Tyron Killam from SNL. Yeah. Wow. And the okay. other guy was Scoot McNary, yeah. who was uh, who's been in a few Argo and something else. Argo. Yeah. He was in Gone Girl. Yeah. He was in Batman for Superman. Yeah, <laughs> well, when, once once Solomon wakes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two guys that escort him, yes. kind of the good cop, bad cop. I guess if you call him good cop, and they're both <laughs> bad really cop, pretty worst bad. Cop. Bad cop, worst <laughs> cop, right? Yeah. Is uh, is Bill Camp who yes. was who appeared in Birdman? Birdman. He was the homeless yeah. guy reciting Shakespeare. Yeah. You also may know him from The Night of. Yep. Um, he's uh, in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, the Outsider great. and most recently Queen's Gambit, where he's the oh, is he? uh, the custodian the who yeah the janitor who yeah. teaches the teaches her how to play chess. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, very good actor. Important role. Tough. I mean, role. with the whole the whole thing with the shirt when he he's like, oh, that's my wife, and you say, yeah. no, you know, you are the you're just as awful. Yeah. Yeah, rags and tatters. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. I mean, it's just the beginning of this of this journey that's just going to get tougher and tougher when he meets the other people who've been captured. You have the boy who's screaming for his mom, and Ooh, he just, tells, just, has, just yes. has to get him to be quiet. The families come in here, and we're going to segue into uh, another another beloved veteran that we see here is Omar from The Wire, Michael K. Williams. Yeah. When I, um, because I didn't know he was in the movie, and then when he was, when was in the um, I, I don't even know what you want to call it where he woke up mm-hmm. that the facility or prison yeah. wherever he woke up the the guy he was talking to I'm like oh like that should have been Michael K Williams because oh I, really I, I was like oh it'd be great and then he's then I see him on the ship and then he's not there anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I was but anytime oh you must have popped huge when you saw oh him oh my then. god yeah. anytime I love Michael K Williams yeah, I, I, I think he's great in everything but when his character kind of came and came and went I'm like Okay, it's this kind of movie, yeah, where you don't want to get too attached to things because, yeah. just like in we're moving, yeah, Jewel, we're moving well, just just like you know, like attachments can lead to more depression and you know when, yeah. when they're not there anymore, and that's kind yeah. of the reality of the situation. Yeah, something you see, you see in in some of those war movies, like something yep. like a platoon. You, you yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Yeah. Just talk about. I mean, he was on the screen for minutes, and every single second he was on was just devastating. He had a major scene cut from this too. Right. Apparently, like, really fucked him up. Yeah, yeah. 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 broke down afterwards, and yeah. they had to be. That's probably concerned. how. I'm, I'm assuming it's how we ended up in the yeah. mask. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think. And that was the second 
right. change here. Okay. That I'll bring yeah, up I saw that. Since we're talking about Robert was the character he played. Mm-hmm. So in the memoirs, Solomon and Robert are trying to figure out a way to get, they're going to escape. Like, right, we're going to get out of here. Yeah. Um, and we're going to figure out a way to do this. And I and Solomon says, I think I can get up there and, and hide under a boat at night when all the slaves get brought down below the boat. So they try a test run where Solomon hides under a boat on the top deck and everyone else goes to sleep. Next morning, he's there the entire night. Um, the slaves come out of below deck and he kind of shuffles back right. in with them and goes to find Robert to say, this worked, we could hide under there at night and figure out a way out during the night when everyone's sleeping. Robert gets smallpox and dies of smallpox yeah. within three days. Interesting. Gets wow. smallpox, dies, they, they, they still throw him off the back of the, the steamer. Yeah, right, steamer. yeah. Um, and then the fast forward just a little bit when he's in the slave pen with Paul Giannotti's character mm-hmm. overseeing the slave pen in D.C., uh, Solomon and like 12 other slaves get smallpox also. Scarred their face really bad, Goes right? to the hospital yeah. for two weeks and Solomon's face is badly scarred for life. Yeah. Oh, but wow. I think they skipped that. To not it's, scarred to tell Edgy Force face. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But yeah, and, and you know, you are responsible for a, a movie narrative that's going to, you know, you, you take that you take that turn, you're adding an extra 20 minutes Too to the movie. Right, you have a two-hour, 40-minute movie. And I, yeah. I, I think that's plot. a totally okay... Yeah. yeah, omission. Course, yeah, o- o- to omit that. And the character of Robert got a really good, like, just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Just trying yeah. to stop an injustice upon yeah. injustice yeah, yeah, upon yeah. injustice. So, yeah. yeah, we see the burial. Let's see uh, a la Mutiny and the Bounty there. We're moving quickly right into, as you brought up, Steve, the Paul Giamatti character. Now, Freeman, yeah. I had forgot Paul Giamatti was in this movie. Um, I wanted to punch him in the face. Boy. Oh, my God, yeah. Wow. Okay, so, and Paul Giamatti has, and I love Paul Giamatti as an actor, but he has kind of a way about him where he's kind of like reminding you that he's Paul Giamatti often, you know, he's, he's, he's a loud actor and it's, he doesn't, he doesn't hide in the weeds in, in movies. This was a performance where I was like, I did like a double take and I was like, is, is that Paul? (laughs) Yeah. Is it really Paul Giamatti? Because I had to like look up and double check. I'm like, it is him. Because he, he does, he it's kind of like a, a more transformative performance than you usually see from him. And it's a great performance. It's an evil, Ooh. evil portrayal. Oh, yeah. oh. And this is a, a, a common thing that we're going to see throughout this movie, whether when we get to Fastbender or uh, Paul Dano, we're getting there soon. But for these actors to, to go to this place and to, and to channel this, Boy, that's got to be so hard. Yeah, I, can't even I mean, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to play Just, the Joker, you know. Yeah, and it's right. it's another thing to to go to that state of of real world evil that this right. shit happened. This is right. this is this is reality. This is when Giamatti just separating the family. Just without, without, without giving without, a shit, without yeah. sweating about it. Just no, I'm gonna keep her. Yeah, he's strong. I'm gonna make yeah. more money off him. She, like, just and like, and who knows, like the plans he had for that girl. It's just. Oh, it was yeah. horrific. Oh my yeah, and, god! And they dance around that stuff in this. They don't ignore it, and they do present it. In, no, they, in a, they, in, yeah, yeah, they you go can at, put but, two and two together. Yeah, because yeah. you, you don't have to show something like that. In, that in that's movie. one of those. No. We know what it is. We don't need it to be just yeah. graphic for graphic's yeah. sake. Between because, this and then Fastbender with the with the girls later on. Yeah, I mean with the um, little Fastbender and the little girl dancing I is just, just want to yeah. piggyback off Paul Giamatti, and then you talk about you brought up Bill Camp before, and what was the guy from? Um, Mad Men, uh, Brian Batt, who played the judge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys watch Mad Men, but I haven't seen it. Uh, Benedict and and who played Master Ford, like all these yeah. big name actors sure. playing really small parts. 
I think it was done purposely by Steve McQueen and whoever casted all these big names to kind of like, a lot of times if you watch films, you may drown out certain scenes that you think aren't as important. Mm. But when you see a Paul Giamatti walk in, like all these major actors are playing or, or side actors are playing these roles. I think for the viewer to pay more attention to all these other little scenes, no matter what. You perk boy. up. You perk yeah. up a little bit. And boy, exactly. just another major criticism of Chariots of Fire last week <laughs> of, of how poorly it was cast out. Everybody looked the same and there was no oh, yeah. transition or scene to scene. You didn't know who was supposed to be important and who yeah, wasn't. You said so. when Paul Giamatti walks in, like, holy shit. Yeah. 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 Actor, and, now, like, and now you know that something's going to happen. And now you're zoning happen. in for a little bit or when right. Benedict comes in and you're right. like, oh man, this guy, I recognize this face. Or mm. even later on when Brad Pitt, who may or may not have should have been that part i don't, I don't know like as bad well he, we'll he, get there yeah, yeah. We'll get there. but like he's a face you recognize like all right let me pay attention to this like it's always these faces that we recognize as actors that are playing these like 10 minute clip parts yeah that i think draw the viewer in it more. draws the viewer in and it gets them money to make the movie yeah well that yeah it's yeah. so yeah you know what yeah the art of the uh you're at the camera, which we talked about in the Grand Hotel episode, yeah. Joey. We're tying them Absolutely. all in here today. My quote's from this scene. Oh, mine is too. So I want oh, to pick the I, same I'm one. Sure See, oh, yeah, I didn't think someone one. was going to pick mine because I picked a, I picked a very, like, I picked a, a heel quote in this yeah, one. Mine so too. Usually, yeah, so it's going to be the same yeah. one. But uh, usually the quotes are like the uplifting one. Right. This is like a really dark one. So, Grant. My sentimentality extends the length of a coin. And there it is. Yep. That's it. And that's in response to, for God's sake, are you not sentimental in the least? And yeah, I mean, it's just summing up a theme of this whole deal here and how everyone here got so greedy and so financially motivated that they were able to just forget that there's humanity involved here. Just they took away all the humanity. It was it was dollar over humanity. Yeah, they treated them like animals or property and they just kind of they kind of turned a blind eye or some people turned a blind eye. Some people really look forward to it too like there's there's like there's like kind of two sides to it part of it yeah like 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 ford like ford i feel he was good ford Ford, wasn't good no for a slaver like kind of thing but like a coward who let someone else pull the evil part so he didn't have to pull the trigger just pretend he was good but he he, yeah he's 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 turned he's turned but he but he Turned he knows to, what he, but he's turned, is. he's turned a blind eye to allow allow slavery to happen, and, and it's and, not okay and, what he did, obviously. Right. But like you bring up, and what you kind of got, you know, and Steve McQueen did a good job with this, also. And I was talking to Kieran about it before the podcast. Solomon loved Master Ford, like he, he he wasn't brutal towards him, and and he felt like I work harder for somebody that treats me right and treats me. Mm-hmm. Almost like a human, even though really you're not. He's still buying people, and he's still yeah. he's still doing something horribly wrong. But, but you know, the fiddle, at, right? during that time period, like we, we see the contrast between Master Ford and Master Epps, which well, is like oh night and day, or, or yeah. Master uh, Tibbet, who, Paul the Paul overseer, Manos, the yeah, overseer. Paul but he was actually owned him in the in the in the, in the memoirs. So Tibbet, oh really? So he was part like ended up being owned by him before he went to Epps. But he, he says in the book, no, no one was kinder to me. No one showed me more respect. Um, no one did me as many favors as the Ford family did for me as far as providing him with food and comfort and all these other things. Mm. But what he's also sort of brainwashed in a sense. Stockholm Syndrome. Right, yeah. right. When you're, when you're having a trauma response to things and in, yeah. you're, you're treated like 5% of a human after being treated yeah. like negative 20% yeah. of a human for but years. He loves me. Right. And I'll say too, very, very 
difficult position to be in for a filmmaker. Yeah. Because you're now, you're in between a rock and a hard place here because you're working off the source material where the, the person writing it is more or less is, is highlighting this guy as one of one of the few quote unquote or diamonds in the rough where all these people who treat him so poorly. Here's one who actually his family treated him well in certain ways and, and right. whatnot. But, you know, we can look at that and say, is there a little bit of Stockholm syndrome there? Is he still a slave owner? He's still a slave. He's like, well, I did my best work for him. It's like, all right, well, why do you have to do work to begin with? Like, right. But now as a filmmaker, you have to portray that on screen and you have to do so without being apologetic for Cumberbatch's role in this. Right. And it, this could have gone very, very wrong. It could have gone very wrong. And I think the key moment is when you have the, the conversation between Solomon and the woman whose children got taken away. Eliza. 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 And, and she goes, well, he's still a slaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's times in movies where you don't want that stuff spelled out, where you, you, you know, as Artie will say, you know, I want to infer that. Mm. I think this is one where we do need to almost as we put a disclaimer out like you yeah. do need to kind of spell out certain things it's like yes okay this is an apologetic character in this world right but we are still recognizing that he's still you know he's still playing for the bad guys right yeah like the 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 best of the worst is still yeah. the worst you show you show me a good slaver i'll show you a slaver right like that's it's that kind of thing right because you know listen you still have tibbets out there being the vicious knowing full well what he's doing the whole time so you know you could turn an eye to it give somebody a fiddle so that you can sleep at night while tibbets is singing you know mock slave hymnals to them as even just more emotional torture and abuse you know everything isn't as simple as the comic books too you know we recognize sure. that so and, and nothing's black and white and on on any in any war yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's it's not as, yeah, it's not as simple as the good guys and the bad guys. And there's people who were born into situations and raised in situations yeah. and they make the decisions with what they have. But I think one of the things that we mentioned too, when, when the start of the Giamatti stuff is, is that this stuff isn't like as logical as capitalism or, or, um, greed you know, or, or, you know, well, you know, we're going to turn a blind eye to this humanity because it's making us money. I mean, there was, like, a lot of this just rooted in real racism and hatred. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? and, well, that's, was, that's what you see with apps. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. This was just dehumanizing hatred. Yeah. And, and, and that, I mean, that stuff, the fact that that stuff went on as, like, culturally... Yeah. Is, is the most alarming part and about was, this whole it was conversation. Ju- it was, and people use the Bible to justify it. And like that, that was, that's, uh, that's alarming too. Very, yeah. you know, like they use a book that was supposed to preach good and, and to justice for everybody down. and, and, and people use scripture to literally hold people down yeah, and, and to, treat them as less than. Yes. This leads us into Paul Donald's character here. Tibbets. Uh, sorry. I, I, there was, I, I referenced before some of the editing, mm-hmm. one of the best edits I've seen. And, um, this was before when, where Solomon gets off the boat and he's waiting He's looking around and he sees all these slaves that are just like either chained up or whipped, like or just like whipped raw, or they look beaten, completely beaten down by life. And then it flashes back to the. I'm assuming the only time he's ever seen a slave before this was when he went to the store, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in, he was in the yeah. general store with his wife and his kids, and then um, this black this black man sees them. And he's he's never seen. Free, I don't think he's seen three black right. black people before. So he stumps. So he kind of walks in to the store, and then the guy's master comes in and 
and pulls them now, out. Now, where was that? Was that, that Jean, was, was a, that in Saratoga? That was in Saratoga. So, yeah. what, were there slave owners up north? I think he's might have been traveling travel. on vacation. Might have been traveling. Wow. So you could. So it was okay to travel into three I, states. Well, they didn't yeah, have I them. They so. didn't have them chained up. He, you know, they made it seem like they were just travel companions. But right. When he pulled them out, they were yeah. kind of like Willie. Willy the store owner them. knew what was going on. The store was like, "Oh, I'm sorry for the bother." And Solomon was like, "No, no bother." But knowing, you know, not yeah. fully grasping yeah, the that was, that was gravity a, of it. Yeah. It Leaving off on that on, on the boat scene real quick, I, I wanted to mention also he had befriended a Clemens, uh, someone on the boat, and he ended up asking them to write a letter for him back home on the boat to New Orleans, mm-hmm. saying like, "Hey, can you send his letter to?" Um, it was a lawyer in Northup, so his father was a slave also who was freed by a lawyer Northup. That's where they got the name Northup from. Oh, okay. So he said, "I write this letter to this lawyer." in New York telling him where I'm going to New Orleans and whatever. They got off the boat, they mailed the letter home. So his family knew right away that he was- Oh, wow. He was oh, shit. gonna wow. be a slave, um, but they didn't know where he was exactly, so they couldn't send anybody to go fetch him until Bass's letter wow. 12 years later. So he had somebody on the boat pen him a letter. Actually, I'm sorry, he, he got a piece of paper and a pen for him to write the letter himself, gave it to the guy, and when they got off the boat, he turned around, gave him like a little wink, talks about it in the memoir, and goes and mails this letter home to the lawyer, Northup. My uh, God. In New Jeez. York saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to, uh, this is where I am right now. But God because they didn't know where he was sold, they couldn't find him. Yeah, anyone in New Orleans, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. This leads us into the, the Paul Dano character yeah. here. Yeah. So, and there's kind of like, there's like segments of villains in this movie as we go here. And, there's and, tears. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Steve, as you, you brought up, is it kind of, gives you familiar faces to notice each one and is I think it, it's a good choice to have different faces shoulder the, the burden here too yeah right um, agreed yeah whereas if you just go with all no names I mean you have to get the right actors to do it and the wit and actors were willing to, to yeah. embrace it and were able to do it yeah, I mean, because yeah. it sounds like they all you know you read about this and they all after this scene this actor broke down this 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 yeah. scene this guy's literally throwing up on the side because it was so hard to do it's so easy you need to, people it's, it's go easy in and to out just, of that just take a, a no name actor throw him in there you know and then be like all right well that you know you'll never see him in a movie again you know <laughs> <laughs> right. but to have these 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 real names and faces do it yeah big time actors boy Paul Dano does just a brilliantly evil job in this yeah uh, just, just plays cool. oh plays that petulant weasel of a of a heel yep just um just just wormy and and and, I, and, com- and completely just and completely useless too like he just gets his he just gets his ass kicked by solomon yep yeah he's a typical bully yeah right. you know he's just he's just, just has power over him he's gonna beat him down until he gets called out right. and then he's just, right. just, just uses around. just when he's just seeing the mock him no when he's oh yeah. just all just knock down knock down knock down just take it away you know just just beat you down so you got no fight Slowly left. Slowly draining the humanity yep. from these people. Yeah. Was there any logic whatsoever to what he was yelling at him about with the boards and the well, nails? He, he I had a hard just, time he was, even following his he point. He was pissed about the water that he was proved right. wrong in that fork. Right. And that. he was just going to go at He was just now, fuck you. And I'm going to come at you, come at you, come at yeah, you. Like, like a... Like a like a piece of like shit, a, like a bitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, what was the? What was he even yelling about? The boards weren't. The, the, the one flush. The shingles had to be flush. And, okay. And he and Solomon was saying, "No, run your finger against." Carpentry it. is not my not my forte. <laughs> <years. laughs> and it had to be flush, and it and it wasn't. And then okay, and he got go the get wrong nails. Nail. So then he got the new next nail, and then the next day when he said strip, and Solomon just fought back. Yeah. And just said no. This is you know, 
you're not going to get away with this anymore. Really great performance there uh, out of Dano. And if you wanted a Batman connection, there there yeah. is there is he's playing he's uh, the Riddler up. in the new yeah. in yep. the new the Batman movies coming out. Grant, you brought up how this movie makes you live in certain scenes and doesn't let you yeah. look away or drive away and this scene more to me more than any kind of defines exactly what you're talking about well, yes. we only got one twitter question today and it's pertaining to this so i'll, I'll throw it out there and it's from 1000 and one by one adam over there and he said was the long take of solomon hanging too much or exactly what the film needed so of course we're talking about after uh, Dano strings him up there and what was is going to lynch him further before yeah, he yeah. gets chased away because he's, you know. Mm. And so we just have, toes, yeah, we just yeah. have Solomon on his tippy yeah. toes there and the scene that just, it, it never just ends. lasts forever. Yeah. And I, I think I, when you see, you see Mrs. Ford in the background come, she sees what goes on and then she leaves. Mm. And then you just The see, kids playing in the background. And just yeah. because, you know. People doing chores. Just, it's just because, and, and it just makes you realize like, oh no, this is normal for these people. Yeah. This is normal. They're, their existence is just so taken like it's down. A, like it's yeah. a kid sitting in the corner with a dunce hat on. Right, and he's yeah. sitting there just tiptoeing, and the one woman comes to him just with the water, just to just to you know, okay, you'll you'll get there till somebody, but I can't be the one to right. save you. It has to be Ford. It's, it's really effective world building, mm-hmm. where it kind of shows you exactly the atmosphere that that he's living in, is that this is kind of normal. This right. is normalized, like yeah. where where somebody's hanging. Literally, his toes are the only thing keeping him alive. Right. And people are just, you know, they're washing their clothes or they're, or they're hammering or they're, they're, build, they're building some structure. Right. Because it starts with nobody. It's yeah. just him. And then you see people coming out, yeah. seeing. I, and, you know, nobody. But, you know, Mrs. Ford comes out. She doesn't do anything. And even, you know, Chapin, he does this as, you know, he's not sympathetic to Solomon. He's just, his job is to make sure that the work on the plantation gets done. So right. he's just and then, then, not then losing equity Ford, because Mr. Ford has right. debt to it. And then Mr. Steve, Ford comes in and... Steve, how is that portrayed in the book? Yeah, so Chapin, he thinks, Solomon thinks that Chapin is not letting him down from the tree because he doesn't know if he can. That's why he's waiting for Ford because to come. Because of financial... Right, Ford, because of financial yeah. stuff and tibbets and things like that, he doesn't want to be reprimanded the, for anything. But I think Steve McQueen, um, well, back to the question real quick yeah. on Twitter. Yes, it was 100% necessary because when you read it in the book, it is so long. And oh, he is man. there all day long. Wow. All day long. Yeah. And he talks about you know, losing feeling in his limbs mm-hmm. and they start to swell and the heat of the ground is burning me. Uh, all these things. And um, Chapin's wife is actually the one in the book that's watching from the window and the kids are playing and this is directly from the book. Wow. Like it is yeah. 100%. He was Jesus. there all day for hours until Ford shows up and it, right when Ford shows up, he jumps off his horse, cuts the ties down, gets him, you know, gets him out of the, yeah. the he's actually bound not just by the neck, feet, hands, everything, everything. bound, hogtied, hanging. Holy from shit. Yeah. I, I remember watching, watching this scene and being like, when are they going to cut to like nighttime? Yeah. Because I, I, I just expected like a hard cut. Right. Right. He's there for like 30 seconds and or like 15 seconds and then it just boom cuts to like dusk or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they don't. 
they they're like they no you, you need to you're watching this you are yeah. not looking away from this and we're not giving you a jump we're not letting you we're not, the illusion yeah. of time passing you are sitting yeah. and yeah. letting the time pass deal with it and the other the other thing i want to highlight in this scene too this was a this is a, an award it didn't get nominated for which i really thought it was deserving i, mean, I know it's not going to win because of gravity and all that but the sound, the usage of sound, sound in the design scene. in this is the, perfect. Yes. The swishing of the feet it's, in the mud, and then oh. the the cranking of the branch, and then the just the the the, 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 the bugs and the whistle. And, yeah, the oh just, man. And there's just there's just no the quiet. yeah, just the quietness, yeah. the stillness, but then the, all the activity, of the sound. Authentic. Oh yeah. my god, just, it was just a real, a really just a powerful just, choice. Just yeah. a man surviving amongst the world going on around him, and it's just devastating. Yeah, time goes on. Yeah, so if he took liberties with that scene and drawn it and, and just drew it out, I was like, all right, well, maybe I just think he was being true to the actual passage. And I mean, it's pages. I'm like, when is this going to end? And I'm like, Jesus. reading through this. Oof. And like, he describes the sounds. He okay. He describes the heat coming off yeah. the ground of the mid, the mid you know, heat of summer there. Uh, he describes the, the wife watching from the window. So it was pretty, like, he nailed the scene. And. If you don't know the manuscript, you might say, oh, man, why is this so long? Yeah. Because it was so long. Wow, and, and we'll go back to the word that you started off with, Steve, here is, is a master class. It's a master class in adapting yeah. to film and, yeah. and taking it off the page and putting it onto the screen. I mean, just hearing you talk about what's in the book, I mean, that's, he, he, he checked off all the boxes for everything you had to put to the viewer. The scene showed massive amounts of restraint. I feel like restraint is a great word to use for a lot of these scenes. Yeah. Well said. Because a, I'm not sure how many movies McQueen directed before this. Yeah, um, mostly shorts and documentaries. So, so like, yeah, so for an unseasoned director to have this kind of confidence mm. to let it all just play out, yeah, is it's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible. The Epps plantation, Epps portrayed by Michael Fassbender, uh, a chilling performance by Michael Fassbender that earned him an Oscar nomination. Let's start with him. Initial takes on, on Fassbender's role in this one. Steve, if you want to. Yeah, just someone that we, I think someone brought it up earlier about different types of slave owners, although they're all evil and, and, and pieces of shit at the end <laughs> of the day. And even someone like Ford, who Solomon in his memoirs talks about fondly and, and says nothing but positive things about him and his wife. Um, the opposite of, is of Tibbetts and, and Epps, and, and they enjoyed. The, the, the lashings and, and the, the whippings and if you didn't bring back a certain pound of cotton you you, you knew you were getting lashes and, even if it was less than the day before yeah, it, it was just so a total different type of, of right human and, and of I person. think I think it needs to be said about just, just to, to, to put the ribbon on the, the Ford situation because I don't want to come off as dismissive with the two with the with the Stockholm syndrome thing because when when he's writing these memoirs and 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 describing all these extremely evil people, it does you at least take note of the fact that he singled out Ford as someone that he appreciated in the journey. Right. But, I mean, in the movie at least, so Ford is all the one who sold him to Epps, who he acknowledges takes pride in being a slave breaker. Was that the transition? Well, he in- goes like, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he goes like, something happens, he goes bankrupt or he loses some money. Uh, Master Ford. So there was a little so, more that went on yeah, to it. So than like he, he he was down on his luck and and he needed to get rid of like somewhere between twelve and seventeen slaves, um, but ended up 
selling him somehow to Tibbetts, but he still had a mortgage on him for 400 bucks. I'm not an expert in that. It, it, obviously, treating Solomon as property somehow. Right. So right. his Still, initial debt now takes he transfers the debt, but holds the mortgage so that to get him back, right? Yes. Right. So he transfers him to Tibbs, but Tibbs can't kill him because then he'll owe because. Ford still owns the main yeah. debt on him. That's kind of what's going on there. So, like, before he gets to Epps, he's transferred to Tibbetts. And then there's actually a second fight in the book. Okay. It's like a chapter long of him, like, beating him up again because he's weak and and, and he, he's so much stronger than Tibbetts is right. physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. He ends up beating on him again and, and escaping into the swamp on, like, a 12-hour, like, run he runs away oh wow runs oh. back to master ford and that's where he master oh, ford hides him for four days from Tibbetts in, in the memoirs and oh, then wow. gets him then gets yeah. him over to epps and then get and then and then gives him back to Tibbetts while watching over him and then Tibbetts sells him to epps Okay. Yeah. So they 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 okay. streamlined a lot of that in the movie. Yeah. That would have been a three and a half. Hour. Yeah. Again. Yeah. This. And this we know we know what we needed to know from it. But yeah. He does say one thing that sticks out to me about Master Ford is that he wishes in in retrospect he divulged his situation to Master Ford that he was a free man from the north with a wife and children. He said, that's one of my regrets is I think that maybe he would have helped me. Interesting. Right, because there's people up there who maybe could have taken over the debt. Because I think the debt was... Well, he thinks maybe Ford would have gotten in contact with his family back home. Right. And, and he was too scared to say anything because Giamatti's character... Yeah, really broke him. Right. right. And I mean, even on the boat, the Clemens character who got freed, but he even said, like, don't say who you are. Yeah. Don't let anybody know. Yeah. And then when you... Right away, kind of when you meet Miss Epps, she kind of gives the impression that maybe she realizes that Solomon is a little bit educated and when and he, you know, he says no and she says good yeah. you know shut your mouth yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have to know anything anyway right Miss Epps who's portrayed by brilliantly by Sarah Paulson just chilling performance I don't know how else to even say it Sarah Paulson if we have a a best picture cast connection here with her is we, if we do other, oh, other yeah. best picture she plays <laughs> Nurse Ratchet in the, uh, the remake. new series uh, Ratchet, Ratchet. Yes, which I don't. I don't think got great reviews. I don't know. Did you see any of that, Joe? Yeah, um, I like her. Uh, she's, she's. She's. I think great. she's really yeah. good in all the American Horror she's stories. Awesome. Yeah, American Horror I think she's. she's yeah, I think. And every character she plays every season just really is the highlight of the season. Usually, yeah. uh, Ratchet was no good. No. And I wanted yeah. to like it. Like I was super pumped on it. And I, she's good. She's definitely. It was, it was a cool property to bring back into right. the light because I always feel like One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest is something that. Should be a little more talked about I, than it is, maybe. I mean, yeah. But I um, agree. I'll it, talk about that all day. Did yeah. You see, um, American Horror Story Asylum. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, she, I mean, that whole season was like berserk. That was just her <laughs> yeah. showing how and talented she, was, she yeah. is. Killer. Yeah. That. yeah. That was actually the first season I saw. That was twisted. And then I went back. Twisted. Uh, yeah. Getting back to Fassbender here, he gets the the Oscar nomination here doesn't win. That's a Jared. That's the Jared Leto win. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, right. From Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Probably it's Probably not going to lose that one, uh, yeah. Leto. I'm sure he probably won by a landslide. Yeah. Boy, the Fassbender performance, though, is just so brilliantly executed. And it's just, he just harnesses madness yeah. in such yeah. an efficient way. And I want to say, too, is, you know, we, we've talked about actors portraying alcoholism in countless numbers of these episodes. This, yeah. And so often, the alcoholism is the dominant 
personality trait right right in these in these roles to have the alcoholism be like a secondary trait yeah behind, where the evil rage yeah, yeah rage yeah. and racism and evil is first yeah and the alcoholism is beneath that and it 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 sparks it and just, triggers yeah. it and and coats it with this extra this extra dose of madness it's, a, it's an unbelievable performance and a really a really great portrayal just a manic like a manic drunk where he just he breaks into the uh the slaves quarters and like just dancing what, whatever right. just everyone get him we're going dancing right. yeah and but anyone like who's that, been around that type of alcoholic before oh seen something like it that is where just, they're just it, you don't want to be around wake everybody right. up and say we're going streaking yeah. through the quad and into the gymnasium but just the manic unpredictability of it where oh God, at, you know yeah. when Tibbetts is at least consistent in that he's just he's stupid he's cruel and that's it yeah with Epps he's just all over the place where you just never know what's it going to be. Are we going to get beat in the middle of the night? Yeah. Or are we going to be dancing at 4 a.m.? You can't rest. You can't settle because you never know what the next step is. And that's horrifying. Yeah, he's a person who should not have power. Should not have no. his hands on the control like, panel. That's like, a, like, like a lion on meth or something. Like, that. <laughs> yeah. like you just don't know like when it's going to attack. You don't know when, like, when shit's going to go off kilter right you and then I mean? just talk just, about just you, you attach that to alcohol to hate to pedophilia yeah and yeah, just, yeah i was just gonna say too or you know pedophilia but also sexual rage too it's yeah. you know where he's just has a, a thirst that he can quench because he's a slave owner it's I just know. you yeah. know whether it's with whether it's with kids or with with women or you know who just knows what grooming whatever the next, it is just always grooming and yeah building and just but make, he's make, in a position where he doesn't even have to groom he can do whatever he wants he has absolute power so it's very very scary yeah, yeah. and just have, they like, say he uh, he painted his beard yeah. with with alcohol with, with liquor so that the other actors would like have like constantly have a, have smell re- like booze yeah like wow. and, they, and they could have some kind of and a reaction, a reaction to him, to him when oh, it gets wow. close. The cotton picking, and, and you know that's when we first meet Patty, Patsy. She gets five hundred pounds, and Solomon gets ninety six pounds. Um, I just did some quick math. I math's not my strong suit, so I, I don't I don't know if this is right. Unless it's pizza math, like in the Home Alone. Episode. Well, even that I got wrong apparently. <laughs> my, wife, my wife yelled at me about that. <laughs> um, Okay, so I, I looked this up. So uh, a bowl, B O L L, of cotton weighs three grams. So a bowl is like the is the is what you pick from like the flour from the plant, like essentially right? the flour, right? That's, they weigh three grams a piece. Okay, to get five hundred pounds of of cotton, you need to pick like seventy five thousand bowls. Wow, she does that a day. How many bowls are on each cotton plant? I have no idea. I don't know that. Well, we see her too as she's uh, she's very skilled with her fingers and yeah. oh, making the dolls. Yeah. So she's she very just nimble. has that natural talent. Right. Yeah. She's very. She's probably doing a couple bowls yeah, like, at a time. What I'm saying is like it's it's a ton, like that is so it's an unfathomable amount. And, and she does and she does it and she does it daily. Oh. But even then, like it it doesn't do her any favors. It's like what Eliza said. How like right. all she did was what was asked of her. She never fought back and she always did what she was told and it got her in the same place that everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, I wanted to ask too, Fassbender's performance, compared to the character in the book, how much did he add to it? Did he play it to the letter of what was going on there? Yeah, pretty on point. Solomon mentions that he's completely uneducated. Like he seems he came from an uneducated background, which he kind of like, you kind of see it the way he talks and some of the, Mm -hmm. some of the things that he says. 
Um, he does become sober at a point in the book to try to get off the, you know, the booze, and he's still as angry and, and disgusting as ever. Um, but most of the outlashes happen when he's when he's drunk. Did, when he's drunk. Yeah. Interesting. So he plays the the part pretty on point, and talking about Dano too, played the part exactly like it seems in the book. And I'm sure they probably read some of this and spoke to Steve McQueen about it. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o's Academy Award-winning performance. Yeah. First in this performance. One. Yeah, her her screen debut again. Just with with such heavy material, really, really delivers here in this one. And and supposedly uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Vass Bender had like an amazing connection. The off screen, they had like one. they had something called like make nice moments or something yeah. like that, where they would just like hold hands and just look into each other's eyes and kind of just, just remember get on this, that they're get humans. On, get on the same page <laughs> and kind of just like, okay, this is acting. This is yeah, right. You know, and, yeah. In her uh, Oscar acceptance speech, she named him first and said you were my rock through all this so it can't it couldn't um, be easy for either of them that's you have to have a connection especially not that i know anything about acting but like (laughs) i'm saying like you'd imagine that you'd have to you'd have to have a connection to be able to go to those types of and just an absurd level of respect for the other person where the person knows you're not taking advantage you're not exploiting and they, they trust you and that's that because again if you don't trust that person you can't go all the way and those yeah. two just every single thing they do they are going all in especially with each other i want to highlight another another villain here in this one uh, the arms b character who rats him out about the note think bastard yes yeah. the uh, the rat and and he's portrayed by uh, a great character actor garrett dillahunt big yeah. fan of him yeah, everything he's, he's in he just does a really good job we'll see him again in no Country for Old Men. He yep. plays the deputy. There. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. great in that. Yeah, really good. And and he is my Burn Notice connection. If we needed those, no. Burn Notice. God. He plays the mysterious Simon in Burn Notice. He's a, a, a linchpin character who's in a few episodes. He's in uh, the terrible remake of Last House on the Left, and he's the oh, old, is he? he? He's the only good part about it, though. And I feel like he's in a, a, a probably like a sitcom or something. Raising so Hope is there. He's the dad of okay. Raising Hope. And he's the best part of Raising Hope. <laughs> but perfectly cast in this one. Oh. And when I saw him, I got really excited. And yeah. out, then he was a shit heel. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I kind of like didn't, I didn't fully remember that angle, like watching around this end. I was like, oh, he plays a good guy. I feel like he's always a bad guy. Like, and like, He's oh, always a bad guy. Like, oh, there we go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Like, Again, I think it goes back to Solomon's just trusting nature, not thinking the two guys who screwed him over for. He, he meets this guy so quickly, and he's like, okay, I could trust this guy. He knows the play. Like, he'll be able to help me. And just how, how quickly that goes just... Because yeah. in Solomon's mind, it's like, okay, well, this guy is someone on the same same level as me. Right. I mean, he's not by a long shot because right. he's white. Now, is he an but, indentured servant, or is he a traveler trying to make he's, money? He's getting paid, yeah. I think. But very little. He was an overseer yeah. who fucked up, who just alcoholism just destroyed him. So okay. because... He wants to be an overseer again. He has to go. Be- yeah. He has to now become a laborer. He's getting paid, but he's just trying to get goal- his shit together, right? But the yeah. goal is to prove himself that he can be an overseer again. So when Solomon gets called out and he says, "Listen, he's lying to you. He just wants to be an overseer again." Really, he was trying to be an overseer again, but Solomon was able to kind of use that and like, "Oh, he's trying yeah. to speed up the process." Right. God, in the scene that, where that, they, the- they they're counting the the cotton that has been picked. And he has such a lower number like than everyone 60 else. Something yeah, pounds. Yeah, he's 60 like, pounds. Well, you know, you see, that's it. And then the, all the other guys get beat. It's they like, get, oh my yeah. god. That that scene where uh, Epps confronts Solomon, and they're walking around, Oof. and just it's just being lit by 
the gaslight. Yep. It is perfect. Yeah. It is just the the tone of the scene, the acting, the just the atmosphere, everything around it is brilliant. I think probably for me the highlight of Fastbender's performance. Yeah. If you watch him, he does not blink. Really? He does not blink the entire scene, just stares. I noticed that the second time. Stares daggers. Yeah. Through him and just wait, it, just and uh, obviously it's a it's a performance that's all over the place in the, in the best kind of ways, uh. but that moment of intensity that he shows there, what where where Yejifor's performance there is also also his yeah, uh, one, one of his yeah. he has so many high spots in this. Oh it's tough God, to yes. it's tough to point one out, but the two of them working off each other, where you have one guy has to has to deliver his bluff essentially yeah. with 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 just unflappable yeah. confidence. While the other just pure evil is just staring, just for any death through him. Oh my he God. has he has to like convince a drunken maniac that he's not trying to get one over on him, mm. and that's why he's this right. unhinged drunken maniac. Irrational. So then he's now he's already he's hateful. He's irrational, yeah. and now you have to convince him that no, that guy, the white guy, is the problem here. Let's and, not forget yeah. while delivering devastating news. So so right. it's yes. not like yeah. it's not like he had a second to think about it. Right. He's Filled with this highest level of hope that he actually has a chance to get out of here. Right. Now he's getting the news from the worst person in the world to get the news from. The, guy, <laughs> the, the hand of the hand of judgment here is going to come down, and you know he's the executioner. He's the Should, judge, the jury, and the executioner. Wonder lashes he's going to get. Yeah. So he can't even blink and has to come up with his story while all the mitts being completely devastated internally. Yeah. Just, just wow. Yeah. You've you've mentioned this when you guys talked about Shawshank. How this movie is about dealing with depression, and mm-hmm. he gets a good bounce, and then he gets a bad bounce to kind of counteract it. This is kind of the same. It's a lot of it's the same principle in this movie where yeah. he had, but the bounces get lower and lower mm-hmm. as like the good bounces get. They don't get as high as the movie goes on, and this is kind of the same thing where you get the, this good bounce. You're like, oh my god, things are going to turn in my favor, and then the, the ball just deflates. Right? Yeah, deflates. and the most deflating part is is that. Shawshank Redemption is a fictional allegory, and this is a historical document. It's horrific. The, the fact that this man's able to hold up hope and looking for this hope and just to go to the next scene where now he's literally burning the letter, like just burning his chances. Devastating. Just, oh, Devastating. Yeah. His yeah. future up in ashes. Yeah, three, three power scenes right in a row because you're going to have the confrontation, the letter burning right into the, the uh, Roll Jordan Roll singing steve you brought up that, that before yeah. the, yeah. how now the the character who betrays him in the book and and that whole scene with the confrontation how much of that was was dressed up for the movie how much of it was no it was pretty on point yeah yeah like that like there's this the only other major thing i, I wanted to bring up is when patsy's character goes to solomon which is a pretty heavy scene yeah oh like, about oh, killing, killing her. kill me yeah. do, do what yeah. i'm not strong enough to do that wasn't in there um, it was actually Mistress Epps that went to Solomon. To kill said, Patsy. I want yeah. you to... to he wanted to, to murder I want yeah. you to murder Patsy. Wow. Um, and he says in the, in the book that Mistress Epps was very nice to all the other slaves. Mm. Except for... Except for Patsy. Right, because of the, there's been a fair nature going well, on. Well, sure, too. yeah. That was like the last like real major change from the, the book. Or like they just left it out or changed it up or whatever. But really home. give Lupita Nyong'o the that just you know the Have more and more depth because devastating what, scene because I mean to, for her to pull that scene out and that that acting performance that scene alone is yeah worthy of nominations. Yeah. Well, I now that would be one where I would say that I liked that 
change. Like I like that little yeah. addition. I don't. I. It's. It's so much more tragic. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is powerful, and it adds that extra human element there too, where you wonder how many of these poor souls that are forced to deal with this are considering that. You know, where. Yeah. Listen, I mean, re, you know, you read the story. You read the stories of how many, you know, the slave ships coming from Africa. How many people jumped off and just said, "I'd rather." Yeah, I don't know about those stories. I'd rather, so yeah, be, I would literally rather drown in the ocean than, than go to than what's coming. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and then you don't know where you're ending up. Like, are you ending up with a Ford? Are you ending up with an Epps? And, yeah. Um, what was, we didn't really talk about her too much, the woman that lost her, her children. Eliza. Yeah. Eliza, who was actually, was in a high standing point and was having people serve on her. Right. Because she was in a position where she was close to, I mean, her daughter was fathered by yeah. the their owner. By yeah. their owner, yeah. mm-hmm. and then she gets all of a sudden the daughter his, takes the over. The daughter takes yeah. over, and now her whole so like some of them had like a you know so, some slaves had a Ford experience where you, even mm-hmm. though they shouldn't be in that circumstance, they still were able to wake up and eat and and not be whipped and all these things right. where others were brutally tortured. Right. By and then I mean even Mr. Shaw, right, who Patsy yeah. spends her time with was. Yeah. You know, she said, she goes, I was serving people. Now yeah. I'm being served. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't I, care if he's out there sleeping yeah. with other, you yeah. know, whatever he's doing. I can't, I can't tell the last time I caught a beating or whatever. Right. Yeah. So the, the Roll Jordan role scene, uh, wow. another just brilliantly shot scene. And him, yeah. she would tell him before is just, him, what a, him, God, him, some, him succumbing. Right. Finally letting lot, go. To his lot in life. Yep. Mm. Finally singing along and saying, I guess I am a slave. Amongst tears. And yeah. The oh, first God. time he lets go and he just, it's, yeah. it's. Heartbreaking. It gives, it gives up hope. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. That silent to singing and a deep voice. Right after that burning letter too. Yep. Yeah. And then they, yeah. and then they one of those, those, those hard edits, boom, and like you're just looking out into the plantation and the cotton candy skies and you're sitting there for like what feels like three minutes because you have tears in your mm-hmm. eyes and you're like, oh man, like when you're looking at that and you're digesting what Grant said earlier, that scene that you just saw, that's such a powerful song, and I don't know, it, it, it gets me both times I watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's I mean so that, heartbreaking. And it's just, and it's just building up, like you're trying to, like, all right, no, it's still focus, focus. And when that, when he lets go, how do you not let go as yeah. a viewer? Right. Well, I would argue that music is one of the most important things of this film. Oh, like, plays mm-hmm. a huge role in this movie. Massive role yeah. in the movie. Where you can compare and contrast that horrific, disgusting song that song in the beginning of the movie by uh, Tibbetts. Tibbetts. Yep. Yeah. The mocking. To, to, like, the clapping, so the clapping and singing along. Right. Music yeah. during this time period was was a way of suppressing slaves, but it was also a way for slaves to, to let out their to right. But that's how yeah. slaves connected. Yeah. That's how slaves told their stories because yeah. there was no they weren't allowed to write. So yeah. this is how. They were telling their stories. This is how they're telling their history through the song, and that's shared from person to person. Yeah. And I, even this, there was the older women who was leading the song, which I think was just one true, but so powerful because that's what it needed to be. To you know, we're, we're not letting our history yeah. die. We're making sure that we are remembered. And, yeah. And Karen brought up Lapita before creating those little dolls. Yep. Like in, yeah. She was humming a song, and yeah. he's playing the the the, the, the fiddle. violin yep. the fiddle. Um, and yeah, and that, that was a way for him. That was a way for him to escape, or him to at least stretch his wings a little bit and kind of remember who he was. Yeah. And then almost at some points, that became a detriment to him. But it, yeah, this movie has a lot to do with 
with the power of music and yeah. the power of song. Yeah, music is an essential thread. I mean, it goes right from the beginning. It's the it's the him playing the violins, the reason he gets roped in with those right. two characters yeah. and and yeah. poisoned and into with the Giamatti scene. You have the the guy playing the violin. He ultimately takes the violin to to calm people down. Into Cumberbatch giving him the violin. Yeah. Him when he um, goes in with the judge. You brought you mentioned Dono doing the clapping and the right. and the singing. When he goes in with the judge, he gets the paid gig. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. your earn is, is yours. yours. And he has to hide in the tree. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then you know, him, to him destroying this violin, breaking the yeah. violin. Yeah. 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 And and then, having them dance and music and, and yeah into the role yeah. Jordan Roll. It's a it's, yeah. a it's a key thread in this movie. Sure. And and that that whole circus gig in the beginning of him getting into this. And I gotta say, as a you know as a gigging musician myself, you do bump into these characters who who ask you for gigs, and you just you say to yourself like. Oh, this guy's a weirdo. Like, I don't <laughs> we go to this guy's house and play a song. I don't know. Like, there's always in the back of your head. Like, you, calling it a backyard barbecue doesn't do it justice. <laughs> We're going to have people there who you've never seen before. Animals from a strange land. You're like, oh, I'll pass. Thanks. I, I mean, Grant, we were, you know, we had, when we were in a band together and we we're kind of looking for a new drummer. It was going to be the three yeah. of us. We, back, back in the days of MySpace, we met a a a, a twenty nine year old drummer. Was yeah. What? Yeah. It was a, a twenty nine year old drummer. Says, "Hey, you know, come yeah. over to my house." If he if he was twenty nine, I'm a Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, we we were this guy's midlife crisis. Yeah, we yep. were his no. midlife crisis. Oh yeah, he was he was in his forties probably. Probably late forties. Yeah, but he portrayed himself as a twenty nine year old. We were in our mid twenties. Yeah. Mid to early 20s. Looking we were for right new, out of looking college. Looking for a drummer. Yeah. Looking for a drummer. We could be a three-piece band. We go to this guy's house. He has a soundproof basement. We're it's walking a really down, nice studio. It was, it was really nice. Yeah. But as we're walking down the stairs, we look at each other like, we might die right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an unfinished basement. There was like kids' toys all over the place. Yep. And then like he opens up another door. And it's like a really nice setup. Chains hanging. It's from really the nice. Yeah, it's like it's like from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> where, the, where the gimp there's a gimp in the back. Uh, yeah. Takes us to he's a like, soundproof room. The, 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 Amazing the, drum set too. You'd have thought he was like the drummer of Bon Jovi, but he sucked. He could not play the drums. Really? Oh, yeah, sadly, wow. like, yeah. couldn't was, carry it was, the beat. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. So that we, I think we went there two or three times. Probably the second or third time was just out of sympathy because right. the guy was so excited about like, it we, too. We came, like, we came early once, and he was like arguing with his wife in the kitchen. <laughs> Like, his wife did not want us there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was bad. It was... He could be listening right now. You know, hey, I he, forgot your name, if but... If he connected the tissues, then, you know, the, I, that's it. What's the matter? You don't like Granola? Yeah. Listen, I hope he is listening. I appreciate all our listeners, even if they're shithead drummers with creepy <laughs> he, fucking... He was, a, he was fine. No, he was, he was fine, a very nice guy. He was guy. a fine it was guy. Just, it, just... The point is, it was a very odd situation walking in, and with, and, and this is like, you never know but what you're going to get. We never... Yeah, I mean... Yes, fortunately yeah. he didn't. Uh, he didn't drug it, us. Or... It didn't. Didn't. Didn't end that badly for yes. us. So after lightening the mood, I guess we got to get back into this uh, heavy yeah. narrative here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I would think that the lashing scene where Solomon has to has to lash uh, Patsy here, I would say, is probably the most famous scene in the movie. Yeah. As far as. I don't even know what I would compare it to, but I would just think that that's probably the one that probably most people think of with this, because it's it's it's. You think this over the lynching scene? Yeah. yeah, I just think I in, in in a in a in a movie of heavy moments, I think this is kind of the the, this, the loudest one. I think this is, is the most impressive yeah. acted scene by the everyone involved. I mean, I think it's just they're all devastatingly perfect. And just one one take. There's only there's only one cut from between when Patsy gets Patsy gets back from Shaw's 
to when she's cut from the cut from the uh, post. Right. One cut. There's and that's and that's it. Well, and it's like it, it it's when Fassbender confronts Patsy, and then it cuts to when they bring her to the post. Mm. And then that whole all that is just one. It's one long take, and it is. And it's like we said before. It's unflinching. It's brutal. It's visceral. Yeah. Yeah, Miss, bunch of great long takes in this movie. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Miss Epps screaming when Solomon is side arming it that he's pulling, you know, essentially pulling his punches. Yeah. With, oh, it just hurts your fucking heart. Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o uh, Nuango talked a little bit about how she had to act this scene, mm. and it was a lot of reacting to the sound of the crack and, yeah. and the air from the whip. And okay. it's easy for us to just think, you know, oh, well, they're just back there whipping and she just is going to wince a couple times. But mm, no to get way. to get the reality of that and to and to come across Did, in, in grand, as you said, in a long take yeah. where we're not, you know, just piecing it together as we go. It's a tremendous performance. Oh, it's unbelievable. To, and I mean, when she says she goes, Solomon, I, I would rather it be you. Yeah. When oh. Epps gives the whip, it just. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's and and. And even as as an actor, because I know it's it's you're, she's not really being whipped, right? Mm. But just to put yourself in that headspace, right, is emotionally taxing to begin with. And then she so talks about crying after it, and yeah, just how, and like how could you not? How, right, exactly. Just like, that's you know, the visual you, effects like, here like, you guys mentioned too, with the blood and the oh, the, 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 the blood, flesh ripping, the blood and, spray, oh which, and then and then the then the take where you see Fastbender. Hitting, hitting her back, and the flesh is just ripping off. It's just, yeah. It's just yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's horror movie quality stuff. And I yeah. think Steve, you're one of your first appearances on this podcast. We talked about horror movies that were nominated for Best Picture, and we kicked around the ones that were specifically horror. And then we talked about a couple that might have been categorized as that. I mean, I know I mentioned No Country for Old Men because it just has it has the the stalking guy going Such after a scary people. Character. And, uh, yeah. Someone brought a parasite, but. Honestly, this movie is is a reality horror in many senses. Like, I mean, it's, it's definitely horrific. It I mean, is horrific. Yeah. For the slaves, it was literally horror. Yeah. Every yeah. single second of their lives. Yeah. yeah, and this scene, again, just like the long, drawn-out scene with, with Solomon hanging from the tree, mm -hmm. is like directly taken. Oh, which I, which yeah. um, doesn't yeah. surprise yeah. me. And I would imagine that in making this project, yeah. he looked at this scene and said, this is the one that has to... Right, this yeah. is... This and, is the one. You know, just, just someone wanting humanity and being able to be clean. And Mistress Epps is on the piazza. Is that how you pronounce it? Piazza, right? Or the the outside the front of the house with mm -hmm. her children watching this uh. Uh, as Solomon takes the whip from Master Epps, who demands like you're you're you're, you're doing this. Uh, he said he gave her thirty lashes, and then he said no more. He gave her fifteen more, and said I'm not doing any more. Yeah, it's tough. That's it's awful. Tough to, to watch and then go ahead and read this the next day. And I, and I think going back to what you said earlier, Steve, how they added the scene of Patsy asking Solomon to yeah. kill her, mm -hmm. it sets up the dynamic mm. really well between the between the two. Um, it's almost paternal kind of dynamic between Solomon and, and Patsy, and it kind of just comes to a head in this moment. As, as much of a gut punch as the scene is, it really... It really hits home because of that scene earlier, right? With her asking to, or her with Patsy asking Solomon to put her out of her misery, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely just brutal film. You know, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's just someone trying to be clean because she, you know she was not allowed, and how devastatingly yeah, like over, over a bar of soap. Just how simple that is. Just someone wanting to 
the basicness of just being able to clean themselves. Yeah. It was that, but it was also Shaw's insecurities, uh, Epps' insecurities yeah. of him thinking that she was sleeping she was, with with Shaw, yeah. and right. that and that's and that's that was a that was more. But it was, it was more about it was more about that than the soap. But it started with Miss Epps not allowing her to have soap. That's sure. why she had to go out. Oh yeah, out. no, of course. Epps being a insecure psychopath. But, but is, this this right. the the beating that she took was because of his uh, yeah yeah jealousy right. or whatever. Yeah, it's up there with as brutal cinema as you'll see. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. No, I and think then, so. Um, he ends the chapter with this, and I'm going to read this because I think yeah. it's important. Yeah. Patsy's life, especially after her whipping, was one long dream of liberty. Far away to her fancy and immeasurable distance, she knew there was a land of freedom. A thousand times she had heard that somewhere in the distant north there were no slaves, no masters. In her imagination, it was an enchanted region, the paradise of the earth, to dwell where the black man may work for himself, live in his own cabin, till his own soil was a blissful dream of Patsy's, a dream, alas, the fulfillment, the fulfillment of which she could never realize. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, just sitting here in our privileged lives, it's, it's, it's impossible to imagine any of this actually happened. And it's just, it's scary and to not think. Not that long ago. Not that long ago at all. Of, in the grand no. scheme of things. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk Brad Pitt. Yeah. And, uh, and Bass, right? As Bass. he yeah. graces us with his presence in this movie here. Um, <laughs> I, I read that Brad Pitt didn't want to do this movie. He didn't want to be in it, but right. he was kind of forced to, to get for funding, funding for the movie. Yeah. And, um, and like, it's kind of shitty that a movie like this almost didn't get made because Brad Pitt wouldn't have been in it. Um, it it was. It felt so out of place to me, mm-hmm. and I don't. I love Brad Pitt as an actor. I don't think he did a great job either. It, it was. It was. He it was, it was. He was just too big for the role. I think. I think he was just too famous for it. Yeah. He uh, originally they wanted him for the role of um, Master Apps. Right. Really. Yeah. yeah. They pushed wow. that, but he didn't want to be He's, in it. He no, he's just wanted to produce doing, it. I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah. Well. yeah. Which, I mean, I don't think. And, and I couldn't buy that. I can't I, see anyone else besides Fassbender no, doing it. Fassbender is like a well-known actor, but Pitt is like. Superstar. I mean, everyone knows. Right. So I think it would have been so hard. Like Fassbender crushed that. It couldn't have been a nobody, but it couldn't have been a Pitt. Well, I think Leo right. did it the year before with Django. So I think it probably yeah. would have been compared. It wouldn't have been an. I don't think it, it would have been to like a, a point where he's getting no, uh, nominated for an Oscar. Right. Depending on how he, maybe he would have crushed it. I don't know, but I think it probably would have been closely compared to the Leo performance, yeah. and would have just gotten overshadowed by that. I think if Pitt had balls, he would have done that. I consider this the worst performance of Brad Pitt's career. Okay. I think it is the worst part of the movie. By far. I mean, I haven't seen every Brad Pitt movie, but the ones I've seen, I, I think he's an actor who really rarely misses, too. Like, I think his worst performance going into this, to me, I consider okay. Like, I, I don't... I don't I he's think a he's, really good batting average. Yeah, yeah. He's, super, he's super strong to what he does. Yeah. He's not good in this. It, it's out of place, as you said there, Grant. It, it feels like stunt casting. I, and I don't buy any of that other shit about him saying he didn't want to do it, this and this. I think that's post-posturing. Oh, really? Okay. Personally, he's a producer on the movie. They wanted to get his name on it. There could have been another way they put him in here. He wanted to be in in the, in the positive role. As he the white knight? Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't get too wrapped up in the white savior stuff because no, it's, a, I, I, it's, I a, meant, it's a factual character. But no, yeah, I, right. I meant I'm, 
white knight as in like the storytelling mode of yeah you're the you're the, the, the you're, all you're, good you're coming in to hero, save the day. Yeah. yeah but i don't you know the people who scream and yell about like the white savior stuff it's i mean it's factually, it's a, it's, it's, factually it's a true story yeah. Yeah. right yeah, so come on like that happened but, right. you could find pictures of the house the two of them built right so i i but i didn't need the producer of the movie and the most famous person involved in that role it just seemed it well, seemed like the the movie just changed all of a sudden, and here we are in this new spot here where yeah. that could have been cast a little better. And we'll we have a section where I'm sure oh, we'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll I'm, get to I'm, that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I um, got really excited at the, at the first kind of Brad Pitt, Michael Fassbender back and forth, and it, it just didn't hit what it should have. With. Agree, Joe. Agree. And, and totally I was agree. like, yeah, when he, you know, when he said he's like, oh, oh, you ask me, but you don't care about the rest. He's like, oh, it's my property. Like that should have been way more powerful, and it just kind of was a thing that was said. He, Brad Pitt almost had like a. And I love Brad Pitt. I do too. I do too. Yeah. You, know, you know, he almost had like it was almost like a Cliff Booth Aldo Reigns kind of character. It was like a, it was like a mixture of the of the two. Like the dialect was. He didn't strange. know how to play it. It yeah. seems like he didn't know how to play it. It. It yeah. maybe that does line to the fact that he didn't want to do it because it didn't. See, I, believe, a, I believe. I believe he didn't like, want to do it. Can't say he's not invested. Though. He's a producer on the yeah, movie. I, no, I feel like he I feel like, the I don't feel like he, I don't feel like he phoned it in. It's just I, I just don't think it was the right role for him. So much star power yeah. for that role. I, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, yes, exactly. Whereas like the Paul Giamatti's and and the other actors we spoke about earlier, they're on, just famous enough. They're just right. famous. When Brad Pitt is like, oh shit, there's, right? There's there's Brad Pitt. Right. He's by far yeah. the most famous person. In the movie. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I believe he didn't want to take it. I believe he took it, and I believe he tried i just think it wasn't something as a i think he was invested in the movie as a whole not as that specific role and i think it comes through now we're we have a segment here where we do recast i'm sure he may come up for this but, but, but while we're here who would have been worse than brad pitt in this spot i'm gonna <laughs> throw george clooney in there <laughs> i george think clooney. it would be not a spot for george like clooney. gregory peck especially right after django right after Re- <laughs> yeah he's trying this, to he's trying to like this, market correct way, this, django a little bit this like, role, this role it's has, all about balance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this role has gregory peck written all over it. Uh, <laughs> absolutely Time like, I get to come in and save the day and Time come in machine, on my wrong recast. Oh god. <laughs> uh, oh, nope, that's that's yeah, Leo I think coming especially coming with the heels, heels of Django. Yep. I don't yeah, I don't know. Um, like there's just Yeah. Yeah, he was just he was just too big like Steve right, said. Yeah. Just too much like, star power. I, I didn't recast that, but I wish oh, it was I someone did. up and coming. <laughs> like up yeah. and coming would like up and coming that we've seen a lot. Like almost where Paul Dano was. So I'm interested to see where you go with that, Grant. But we're we're so we're gonna get old Solomon free here now, which is an awesome, oh, I love awesome this scene. Oh, yeah, God. just a, it's it. You know what? It's not so great. You brought up Shawshank, which I didn't really think about and didn't make the connection. I I, I like that connection a lot. Yeah. Shawshank. When you get to that point of the movie in Shawshank, it's so it's so amazing and so fulfilling. Yeah. And this one is done in a lower key manner, which I think is appropriate because of the reality of the situation mm-hmm. and, and realizing that this is something he should have been free to begin with. Like right. he did, did nothing wrong in, in, in any segment of this, but it's a moment of liberation. And, and one of the best parts of it for me is, is the squirming of Fassbender in it. Oh, and yeah. oh it's amazing. What are you talking about? I'll fight you for him. Uh, someone has yeah. never been told no before. But it was also, it, was, it just felt, it felt real. It felt like the real, like a real way that it would happen. Yep. You know, like him asking the the sheriff asking all the personal questions, right. and and uh, Tommy like, just falls yeah, here, into here, the hug. Here, yeah, like here, like Mike. These are my kids' names. This is my wife's maiden name. Like I am who I say, and it feels such a relief. Yeah, and, and Steve, you made a couple allusions to this already about like wondering if it was Hollywooded up 
yeah. before you read the book and then reading the book and seeing. And I'll say, like, it, this movie really doesn't feel Hollywooded up. It, no. You know, it, it really – and now we – that's what – I guess maybe the Brad Pitt part's the one part where maybe we felt like that. How was that character portrayed on screen as opposed to what is real? Same. Same. Yeah, pretty Dash much. Was, you know, he's the guy of freedom. Pen the letter, you know, back yeah. to north up the, the same person he tried to send a letter to 12 years earlier. Wow. Um, I just think they made a mistake with maybe with using the Brad Pitt there. Yeah. But besides that. The content was, was stronger. Like, it's all there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is there except for kind of the three things I've mentioned throughout the podcast as far as like kind of like one change with the, the please kill me scene um, the smallpox and um, the, the affair in the beginning the or the, or no it's not an affair but like the sexual encounter yeah. with the woman yeah. yeah so besides that like some of the stuff where he said uh, what was it when they were building the, the house him and Bass he said uh so tell me where you're from, or what does he say? We're talking about Canada. Yeah, so you're, yeah. well, you're, well, you're too well-traveled to be a slave. Quote right. from the book. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. he says, tell me where you're from. And, right. and that's like, you know, why kind of, you know. Right. Yeah, he's you like, you're in Canada. Why did you ever leave Canada? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just stayed what are you in doing Canada? in Montreal? Right. Yeah. Like, Go as north but, as possible. That, but it was, it was almost, it was one of those things, too, where, like, this was after the whole Jordan Roll scene where he was, reluctant to tell Brad Pitt his story yeah. but had this been two years earlier he would have found a way to tell him so much earlier mm-hmm. you know but he was he's kind of this shell of what he what he used to be but he found he finally got the opportunity that he needed to make to make his move goes back and counters his family another you know other oh, heart-wrenching great scene, scene. Oh. yeah I mean beautiful with his grandson oh man. man just the idea of the idea of the last time you saw your kids they were little kids and the next time you see them they have a little kid of their own yeah, he, he, gave, he gave them kisses like on then they went to on the stagecoach and like that was it right and then he had didn't see him for 12 years oh. some people might argue and we could talk about this when we get to gravity and you know we talk about that a little bit you know like saying that, oh it might be a little bit easier because you have Steve McQueen had this memoir but to kind of be able to film these things and have such an impact, like you might have the memoir. It's in the book, like when he walks up the stairs and he meets his daughter first, who's holding his grandchild and his son-in-law. He talks about this, but Steve McQueen is able to put that from book Absolutely. to yeah. screen. But memoirs go bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Adapting is not easy. Right. No, and Grant, you, you highlighted a very key word early on in this podcast, and I think it's so important when we're working with adaptations, restraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and knowing when not to deviate. Just go with what you got. You don't have to add this. You don't, mm-hmm. have, to go, you don't have to go bigger. Just go with what you got there. And, and we talked about that scene with the hanging and, yeah. and here with this too. It's, this, the story is so powerful on its own that you, you don't need to embellish all that much. Yeah. But 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 filming filming this movie and filming it in such a way where you let the filmmaking do the do the talking basically in weaker hands this movie could have been a complete disaster. Hundred uh, percent, totally agree. And and we should say when when Steve McQueen wanted to or had the idea to do this project, he had he wanted to write his own screenplay and he and had the then, idea of yeah. what would happen if you had a. Uh, a free man in the north yeah. who was captured and was forced into slavery. How would that go? And he's writing original screenplay. And his wife finds the story yeah. of Solomon Northup. And and he goes, oh, my God. He like <laughs> reads the thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit before this about 
this movie educating us about the story that everyone should know. Yes. And I, I didn't even know about this before this before yeah. this one. Yeah. And you know, Steve McQueen himself didn't know about right. it until he got invested in doing a project like this. So it's it's really a wonderful thing um, that 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 this exists that to educate people and to kind of cue you in on nuances of the story that we're all aware of as far as the grander story like a, as far right. as the civil war and the north fighting the south yeah. and what and and what all that was based on but to get a narrative that's this real and told personal. this well on and this person and told this well on yeah. film and and for those who were able to read the book to no it's yeah. it's 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 very important and it's it should it should be required viewing Yes. It really should be. 100%. Well, Steve McQueen compared it to being as important as the diary of Anne Frank. Yep. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that's a fact. This is a this is a book that should absolutely be gone. Hundred percent. Yeah. Solomon Northup should be known. All right, so we're at that time here for the BPC Awards. We're gonna go through all this. We're gonna give out our hardware, and we're gonna start with MVP. Steve, this is your first full episode here. I'm gonna let you go first, as is tradition here with with, one. uh, with new ones. MVP, who who are you giving the, the trophy to? I'm giving the, the trophy to Steve McQueen as the MVP. Solid. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I did have um, Lupita. Yeah, I mean, her her performance was so incredible. But without Steve McQueen, this project doesn't get done. Um, he brought this to life. Uh, I already brought up the Anne Frank comment. Um, about him finding this so important. He brought this to so many people's lives. He got this on the stage at the, the Academy Awards. Um, and I just think that, you know, his filmmaking, um, the shots, the, you know, edits, which he has a team of people around him helping him do this, um, created a masterclass film. And I would, you know, probably put this in, in my top films of all time. I think it should be required in film school as far as like film um you know strategies and, and and how to portray certain things especially a primary document that's so important um so steve mcqueen mvp for me excellent yeah. grant uh, mine's lupita nuango especially for a first timer bringing in this kind of performance is um really really impressive and she brings this element to the movie that's so heartbreaking and and tragic and the fact that you don't know what becomes of her at the end it really it it really hits home it's hard to picture anyone else playing this role i thought i thought she did an incredible job brilliantly cast i found a diamond in the rough to yeah. bring her in so i i don't disagree with you guys but i did end up going with chiwetel ejiofor just because yeah. i thought he was perfect i thought he went from you know, to be able to show hope in a hopeless situation and ev just everything and maintaining his own humanity. I just thought that what he did sometimes just with his face, I think I think he was just fantastic. It's one of the top acting performances of the decade, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, and he uh, wasn't nominated for Best Actor. He was. He was. Yes. He was. Yeah, oh, lost yeah. to Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I think is... Arguably the best performance of the decade. I mean, and he's yeah, great in Dallas. Yeah. He's fantastic. It's up there. It's a stacked year. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey deserves an episode in, you know, on, on its own. <laughs> Just it's a like deep dive Matthew McConaughey episode. I, mean, I love it. Yeah. His evolution as an actor and and when I was looking, oh, who beat him that year? I didn't know off the top of my head until I sort of researched yeah. it a little bit and saw it was Matthew McConaughey. 
I thought Dallas Buyers Club is the number two movie of that uh, year after 12 Years a Slave. Okay. And, and Matthew McConaughey crushed that. Yeah, he's very good in it. And I got to say, if, you, if you're just, you have time for a quick YouTuber, YouTube Google, Matthew McConaughey's acceptance speech is one of the best you'll see. Oh yeah, so genuine, very memorable. You, you'll you'll get a little tear in your eye watching it too, and it's just it's just so genuine. He's yep. just he's just a likable guy. I love him. Well, he spent um, so much yeah. time with the, the the family of the person he portrayed in that. Like he became like they really helped him. And... But yeah, Joey, good choice. I mean, a hell of a performance from him. I almost feel like we didn't even talk about him enough in in this. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I also went with with Steve McQueen for this yeah, one. Nice. I, Perfect. I thought it was a vision, and I thought he was the visionary that was perfect for this. Steve, as you said, there are a bunch of other people involved here. You know, whether it's the cinematographer, Sean Bobbitt, the film editor, Joe Walker, Hans Zimmer, who we didn't even mention in this whole thing. Because the score was, the score so, was, it was, it was very much in, I wouldn't call it subtle. Because there's moments no, where it's, it's it's over the top. It's the, the heavy handed. It pulls out but it's, it's very much in the background. You know, sure. like you're not constantly thinking about the score like you are if you're watching like a Lawrence Arabia right. or a, a Star Wars or Godfather or something like that. But it has it has moments where it still has moments where it's heavy. Like there there are some horror score moments if they're, when he's getting taken away the yeah, the yeah. you know, like ever, the uh, the stuff the stuff on the on the uh, on the steamboat the boat yeah, yeah. where yeah. where it's um, where the boat almost stands in as. Like the machine of slavery, just mm-hmm. constantly moving yeah. forward, and then you have like, these quiet moments, and then you see the engines moving, and you see like the mm-hmm. the yeah. turbines and everything, and and the the score really hammers, it really uh, really puts an emphasis on that. Yeah, and, and the the wonderful adaptation of the screenplay by John Ridley, as well. Just a, just a, a true championship team here, but it's captained. By the vision of Steve McQueen, yeah, mm-hmm. he gets all these pieces together. The costume design too is, is you know, as well, yeah. yeah. It, and the sounds we brought up also, but it's captained by Steve McQueen's vision. He has, Grant, as he said, the restraint where he needs to. He makes the bold choices where he needs to too. Because I'll say it again, there's probably more graphic shit in this movie than any other Best Picture winner. It's hard to get through the Academy on that. And you know, and this movie did, and maybe it was it was close that it didn't. It almost you know lost. To gravity, but it, it, it got there, and it got there with some really heavy graphic, not rewatchable material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we've started this whole podcast off by saying this isn't one that's talked about a lot. Like we don't really, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of people they got the award and they're kind of like, oh, let's pretend this didn't happen. Let's not talk about this. But Steve McQueen, to me, just he didn't win best director for this. In my opinion, he should have, but he, you know, he was the producer of this film. He got his, he got the trophy that way. But it, he was yeah. my MVP. LVP, Grant, we'll go with you first. I think I know where you're going to yeah, go. Does anyone not have Brad Pitt? Uh, I, I also, I have Brad Pitt as well. So, yeah. me, Grant, do you want anything to add to that? No, I think we talked. I think we, I think we, we, we talked about it enough. Yeah, I'll yeah. say that. I mean, this was probably the easiest LVP that I've had. Because I even think yeah. in one of our earlier episodes, I don't remember which one. I even think I named this my LVP. <laughs> I'm like, when we get to 12 Years a Slave, yeah. my LVP will be Brad Pitt. <laughs> I think amazing. I think it's the worst cameo in in um, in in film history. Film like. history, not like you know, yeah. like a, like around the world in 80 days, the, the Jackie Chan version. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I just think it's just it's just out of place for how for how yeah. excellent the movie is otherwise assembled. You know, that's my opinion there. But yeah, Brad Pitt LVP, Grant, you agree? And again, Brad Pitt as the 
actor, the cameo yeah, actor. Not the producer. Yeah, Brad Pitt's I, cameo I'm, in this movie. Not I Brad appreciate him getting this film together. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just want to throw out before we go to this is in Italy, the yeah, film yeah, poster yeah. featured Brad Pitt and Michael Fassbender. And there was outrage amongst yeah. the industry, like this is this is racist, and this and the team Italy, uh, team Italy comes back and they go, oh, uh, they're just they're the most popular people. That's what we didn't <laughs> We just looked at the names; they're the only two people we know. We're not racist. We didn't mean to be racist. <laughs> no one knows who Joe Telegio for is. Gorlami, Gorlami, Gorlami. <laughs> uh, Steve, you're LVP. I did have Brad Pitt, but. Now, now that we're all hammering him, if I had to choose somebody else, it'd be Sarah Paulson. Ooh, wow. Um, just because I felt that she was given a script that didn't fully capture who Mistress Epps was in the memoirs that I read. Wow. Um, the, I agree with Steve. So that role. Wow, that's your LVP. Yeah, yep. Where, wow. Like, she wow. She was just like jumped into this like angry angry role and was really one-dimensional where like they if they had time or whatever reason they didn't do this they could have added in the other side of her too which was she was also helpful to some of the slaves again so you're saying the character more than the performance um yeah her performance as like an angry person was pretty much a hit you know she she hit that out of the park she was I, didn't, I just didn't like her yeah, okay. in the film, and I felt like it's because she was so one-dimensional. So a mixture of character, a mixture of actress. Yeah, interesting. Um, I went Miss Epps because I felt like it was something that they teased as being multi-dimensional that fell flat at times. I think Sarah Paulson did a good job. I just think the character wasn't as developed as everyone else, and I yeah. think they kind of showed hints like when she first asked him to go to the store and that she kind of guessed that he was more educated, but then they never really went back to that, where I think that just just didn't fully fully develop the way that it was meant to develop. As you guys are talking about it, I I get it. I do get it. I get what you're saying. Um, For my Joey R. LVP scorecard, I thought you were going to go Cumberbatch. Oh, I loved him. I guess there were some tones earlier on that I thought, like, oh, (laughs) he's turning on him, he's turning on him. Mid-level... Actor who's a great actor, but not a Brad Pitt caliber. That fault Giamatti kind of guy who's a great actor, but not an A-lister. Kind face, and I think they yeah. kind of played yeah. off that. Like he seems like someone that like oh, I, I think he'd be nice. You know, like you look at his face, his eyes, his smooth, clean face. Like they. they they did a good job with that. And we talk about how British people are so good at doing American accents. What is that? What is that? I actually, uh, I heard a interview with uh, Keegan Michael Key. I guess he did, he did Shakespeare over in England, and somebody asked him about that because in England they get a lot of U.S. shows. Okay. So they they grow up watching American television. Yeah. Yeah. American movies, and so. That makes some so, sense. So they just hear it their whole lives. So it's easier to replicate. Yeah, Team America, not to say. We, we, we do English accents about as well as we play soccer. Yes, which is not well. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like, oh, that person's doing an English accent. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> which is, what, what comes to mind is the worst one in history. I, I don't mind. The worst British accent? The worst American doing a British accent Oh, it's going to be. It's gonna oh, be. Oh, it's, I have one. Okay. It's, it's, I wonder if it's the same as It's going to be Dick Van Dyke. 
from uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, that's like widely regarded. That is that's, that's why that's widely we torched that pretty we bad. We, it's we, widely regarded. Mary that, Poppins. It's <laughs> wi- yeah, it's widely regarded as like the worst British accent. <laughs> what's what's well, actually? I don't know if it wasn't. You raise your hand immediately, right. Steve. But. I was thinking of just a bad accent. Maybe it wasn't written down. Uh, Leo and Blood Diamond. That was South African. Yeah. All right. That was yeah. horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> tough, tough one to do, though. Sorry. Ooh. It's Robin Hood. Yeah. Kevin Costner, <laughs> yeah. that's what I thought you were going to say, Grant. it was Grant. barely an accent. Yeah. <laughs> but I it should have been. Were, I thought you it's were going to say that. It sounded like his character from Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, mine... Mine is Keanu Reeves in Dracula. Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Oh, yeah, oh that's a bad one my too. God, Coppola. Coppola. Uh, Coppola's Dracula. His accent was um, as bad as your pronunciation. Oh my God, that is. I was like startled as a viewer watching yeah, that. Okay, why, why is this happening? Been, why was this film? I hear the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's bad. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, like what Ch- 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 Chiwetel Ejiofor is British. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, it, yeah, it's it, you know you just got you it. never know. Fucking house is British. Yeah, McNulty, all these. Yeah. Yep. I I I, I did yeah. have a, a, a <laughs> McNulty. <laughs> I had an LVP runner-up just in case we all picked Brad Pitt. The lack of bugs, like physical lack of bugs, like shouldn't like they be swatting. itching and scratching right. and swatting yeah. a little more? You, hear you, know, them, like, you, hear, you, you never stop hearing all the time. Well, there's had, bugs everywhere, mosquitoes, right? Mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah. I sure. felt like they were under my skin. Oh. There should have been right. more. My body yeah, that would have really... Even yeah. the cotton grubs, they just and kind of pass what, over. Yeah. That's what Platoon did great. If I throw a little more Platoon points on there. Yeah. So the never-ending never tug-of-war that we have. But, uh, I mean, Platoon gave the bug. The bug. And we heard yeah. the bugs. Like, we heard yeah. the crickets and all that, but we didn't really that's see the bugs. So that was one that was one. Like, I wanted to see those Very minor crickets. Lack of bug is a very... That's very interesting. Yeah, because you hear them. Right. And, like... There's not a, there's not one scene where they're just like completely overrun by mosquitoes. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and like, a little like minor swamps, criticism. In the swamps of Louisiana, yeah. they're they are prominent. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. So up next is the participation award. Joey, we'll have you go first here. I went editing, the whole way. Yeah. I think it was just like I said earlier. I think the editing was just perfect. Yeah. Great choice. Great choice there, Grant. Oh, uh, it just occurred to me that I didn't give him like because I said there was two pieces of editing in this movie that I thought were. Oh yeah, what was the uh, yeah? So the first one was when he saw when he saw the slaves, and then it transitioned to him seeing the first one up in Saratoga. Mm-hmm. The second one is after his his argument, I guess, with Eliza, and she's like, "Oh, let me just go back to crying," and she sits back on the porch and starts crying again. It just seamlessly transitions to her crying during the sermon. Oh wow! And you think at first you think it's just like her crying, the audio of her crying just bleeding into the next scene, and you're like, "Oh no, she's still crying. She's still." Like sobbing over the yeah. loss of her kids, yeah, wow. and then that's—I I thought that was brilliant. Very cool. But your participation award? Mine is um, sound design. Sound design. I thought I thought the way the movie sounded—not not just not the score itself, just the the noises in the movie—and how everything just just added just layers and depth and made the world feel so so lived in and real yeah just just little moments man it it, it, it was I, I totally agree it's great and it, you know the sound department was very large and and too large to call out one individual person yeah there, exactly but, yeah i, I yeah. looked i looked for one person to yeah, shine a, uh, but 50 like people there yeah. yeah they were all involved so um steve participation award yeah i mean i guess it would be kind of like a technique award i don't know if, you, if it would be editing or or cinematography but the over-the-shoulder camera work um, 
we didn't really talk about that tonight, but Steve McQueen did a lot of that stuff, which was like you were like over the shoulder of whoever the character was at the time, whether it be Patsy or Solomon or whoever, or Epps or Ford. The over the shoulder makes it feel like, makes it, the viewer feel like they're inside the 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 scene with the the character. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's gonna go to Sean Bobbitt, the yeah, cinematographer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just kind of like super amazing camera work there um and then also like the gray white gray white gray black color tone throughout the entire movie mm. except for the landscape shots like if you're looking at the master's house there's no color there's no red there's no blue there's no they keep it so white and plain and, and the, the palette yeah um so sean bobbitt he, the cinematography is, is works so well he has he has a specific style. I mean, he, other movies he's done is uh, a place, place beyond the pines, which is a movie. I know it's a that's a amongst the BPC uh, that cast that, yeah. that's definitely highly, highly praised around here. I watched it for the first time this week, Steve. I think you watched it for the first time this week. Yeah. He also does a movie that Joey, you and I talked about quite a bit, which during our Oscars episode, which was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And I found his style distracting in that one. Mm -hmm. I kind of found it a little distracting in Place Beyond the Pines too. He hones it in perfectly here in in Twelve Years this a Slave. This is the and best piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it it just it works well within this movie and and this that over the shoulder stuff that you that you talked about there there Steve. He does a lot of like he does a lot of like ca candid camera shots where it's like, yeah. you know, if you're in the pharmacy, it's like the shot from the Vaseline bottle sitting on the shelf. You know, like it's there's a lot of like yeah. uh, hidden in hidden in areas. I think and there's one big shot in in Judas and Black Messiah where it's like from the dashboard from a parked car, yeah. oh. and there's a, there's a, a few in in Place Behind the Pines. And that was too, a struggle but, in that movie. I, I think Place Behind the Pines he was very good. I don't think it was as good as this. I his think. one nomination was for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And again, I don't dislike the cinematography in that movie it's just a, it's aggressive so you have to kind of be be ready for right. it I, yeah. I liked it but yeah compared to something like mm -hmm. this where it's so nuanced yeah it's very nuanced in this and yeah the um i guess you, you talk this up the cinematography also the use of lighting in mm -hmm. this how it's lit is yeah. it feels so natural yeah um, you know because it is like the scene where solomon is talking to epps in the dark and he has like the can and he has the the candle there, there are there is lighting around, but they they hid they put lights up in the trees like like they they attach lights wow. to the trees so it wouldn't get in the way of anything. Oh, that's you cool. Can kind of you can kind of go like if full three sixty without being getting any interference. Yeah, if 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 Braffy doesn't come out this year, this movie probably wins like seven or eight Oscars. Was, was this honest. was this nominated for cinematography? Uh, it, no. it was not. I don't think it was. Yeah, it was right? No, no. Which no, I think which, which I think a, is I think that's it's a crazy. botch. Yeah, yeah. Nuts. It, it should have been. My participation award is going to go to Paul Dano. Uh, I, I, I wanted to highlight the, the heels in this just because it's the, the, the weight that went into it. I kind of view Fassbender more as an MVP runner-up, so I don't, you know, I never give those the participation. Dano is just, he's just psychotic in all the right ways, you know. It, it just, he's, he's petulant he's, and just, he's a, he's a token bully and he just, he brings... It's almost like he reprises his "There Will Be Blood" character in, in certain ways. He's a little bit like Eli Sunday. Yeah, yeah he comes comes back a bit with that, but really, really liked seeing him in it. I this love Paul Dano. He, he does really great. In yeah, this. he's he's a guy who I think has probably has his moment in the sun in the future with with the Oscars. I think he'll find his 
Oh, I see. There with that. So, really good actor. So, he was my participation award there. Scene of the movie. Grant. Um, mine is the Epson Solomon conversation in the dark about the letter. About the letter. Also mine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's perfect. Go back next time you, you you revisit this movie. Watch how long he stares at him without blinking. Yeah. And just look at his face during the whole scene. <laughs> it, it is it is. It's so menacing and yeah. so otherworldly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 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 something else. So the two yeah, of them are amazing incredible. in that. Yeah, Joey, scene of the movie. I, I went with the soap scene just because I thought they were all just did something so horrible so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. that's probably the the chalk the chalk answer there. Uh, I would say, yeah. Steve, scene of the movie. Mine was Run Jordan Run, mm. um, based upon the fact that. Solomon is portrayed throughout the film as not fully, you know, talking about his past and and being a free man and all these things. And he's sitting there silent for the beginning of that scene. And then he's singing with passion, with tears coming down his eyes. And the how how I thought music was so important in in this time period. It's still important today, and I think it's a, a major theme throughout the film. Um, so seeing that scene come to fruition was so powerful and, 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 and had me emotional. And then that long cut afterwards is just crushes it. And amazing. I, I it yeah. Amazing. Well, well said. And I think you want to talk about expert filmmaking. Some would be sad about all of our scenes being in sequence. You know, it was mm-hmm. mining grants with the, with the letter into Steve's with the run, Jordan run into Joey's yeah, with, with the soap conversation. Yeah. So that's something to be said about nice the filmmaking there. there. All right, it's time for the time machine recast. Me and, and Grant already showed our cards a bit <laughs> as that we're re- recasting the Brad Pitt role. Is anyone not recasting the Brad Pitt role? I'm not. I'm recasting Sarah Paulson as my LVP. Okay. Again, I like Sarah Paulson as more of a character, but got to live the gimmick. Um, and I, I think I kept actually thinking of Evan Rachel Wood hmm. with that. And I think she'd go, maybe give it a little bit more layered into the, you know, where she was so cruel to Patsy, but she was, I know, more helpful to other slaves. I think that maybe she would have shown that a little bit. Hmm. A little less cold. Yeah. I think it would have been a little bit more. Steve, who do you have for your recast? Vera Farmiga was supposed to be casted for this role. Right. And I think what Joey just said as far, I think her eyes and I think about... And The Departed, working with Leo, and she had... Senator Paulson's kind of cold. I'm not going to lie, I don't love her in general. Well, um, You know, even she kills it in American Horror Story. Yeah, I think she's great. But she's that. got this like kind of like these lifeless eyes, which work for her as an actress. Whereas like a Vera has more dimension to her and probably could have added a little more depth to the role. I love Vera Farmiga, yeah. so I'm I'm all about that. Yeah. I think she would have done really well in that role. That's a great recast. Yeah, yeah, I would I would I would have liked that a lot. All right, Grant. So I'm I'm interested in this one. So I, I had like I had like seven. <laughs> I spent some time. I spent a little too much time. Yeah, like, I think thinking I did about this, and I didn't come up with the great answer. Yeah, so. I, I came I came down to two. Okay, now I want to ask you this before you tell me. Yeah, are they modern actors? Um, they are they active actors. Yeah, they, they're they're okay. Yeah. So I went, I went old time. Was it Gregory Peck? It was not Gregory Peck. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke. You made it already, so I'm not gonna do sorry. It. I went I went old time and 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 came back in with it. But I thought about someone who I would have done it now. I didn't want to pick him. But do you, what, maybe I'll go old time first. Then we'll have yeah. The, you go the, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I went with um I went with Henry Fonda for this role. Okay. 
We're oh, putting him in the time machine. We're bringing him back. He kind of does that in in two of his more notable roles. He does the stick up for the little guy spot a little bit, and he does it with nice subtlety. And he grapes of wrath, you know, you do the Tom Joad, you know, anywhere where a cop's beating a guy, and you know, like yeah, he yeah. he he could slide into that. Or if it's Twelve Angry Men with yeah. him just being the one guy talking There's up against reason. the other yeah. eleven, and he does it with some nice tact. And I think. I think that that role required it, it. It it just required a slightly more humble performance than Brad Pitt was capable of giving. Yeah. Whether that's his fault or the fault of his, his status as a movie star, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. But uh, I thought I thought that um, that Henry Fonda would have been a nice. Uh, I like that. A nice job there. So. So this is an actor that's active now, but this will be him early 2000s and it's Spider-Man era Willem Dafoe. Wow. Cuz he can he can do nice but he can also be kind of a guy that can stand up to Fastbender and he almost kind of looks looks like a guy that you don't want to kind of <laughs> tangle with. But I like also, that. But he a also lot. he also does he also has like the sincerity in his performance. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, because you know who he is. He's distinctive right. enough he's looking. Fam- he's famous enough. He's Paul you, Giamatti you, you famous. You I'm can't him cop in out uh, and have American Psycho more. Yeah, okay. I think that... Well, I'm picturing him in like a Florida project. Florida project, Defoe, where he's just... He's that calm, but, right. you know, you, you, you could you, you could break at any moment kind of yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, that's that's a really good choice. But then like Flashes of Elias where he's like he's like the constant good, you know, like, yeah. this character from Platoon. I so like that a lot. Yeah. All right, what, what, what were some of the other ideas you were kicking around for that? Because um, I want to see if you get to the one guy that I um, thought of. I thought of Daniel Craig. Okay. Thought, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I that know. works. I that know. does work. Yeah. Um, that does work. The first the first one I thought of was, was Harrison Ford, but I was like, he's too big, too. If you did, like, if you did like clear and present danger, Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to run into same issue. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's, why, that's yeah. why I nixed it. And then I thought, like... Paul Newman, but Paul Newman's also way too yeah. famous. Like, uh, uh, I don't hate that though. I don't hate that though. Yeah, Paul, I love Paul, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman right so I, I like think, Cool Hand Luke, right. Paul, uh, yeah. Paul Newman. I thought of Brad Pitt's alter ego counterpart, Edward Norton, in that spot there. I didn't want to officially yeah. recast it because I don't, you know, I feel like Edward Norton may be overused in this category as it is. But I think he's got kind of that like that calm conversational approach where he's not going to go over the top with it, and and he could he could make it work. Yeah, I was thinking Mark Pellegrino, uh, the man in white from Lost. Jacob from Lost. Jacob from Lost. <laughs> <laughs> going the unknown route, though. He does, yeah. He's got a face, so that he you does, remember. and it plays into his Lost character too, where he kind of goes out and and reaches reaches with it. It's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, I think we wanna we wanna maybe just talk about this here before we do our recommendations. If if you liked Twelve Years a Slave and where you'd go next or or where we'd recommend someone go next, Stephen, talk a little bit about the because we we get a little bit at the end of the movie about them not really knowing what ends up of with with Salma North Northrop. Yeah, it's um, and that's one of the reasons that led me to his manuscript. I wanted to kind of read his words and try to see where his frame of thought was and it almost made me sad reading the manuscript because it was so well written and he, he was so smart and, and intelligent and was able to articulate this narrative and has such a great memory but then I'm thinking like you know what happened to him and, and where did he go because just a few years later he disappeared and no one knows yeah. his 
date of death and how he died. And historians have two, you know, two trains of thought here. Number one is Bass goes on record saying that he was brought back into slavery, which is horrifying to think about. And then other historians think that he passed away in, in 1863, 1864, in a place where no one knew who he was and he was just kind of like buried somewhere. Um, but there was a lot of outlash because he was going around and preaching and, and talking about what was happening uh, in the South. And his one of his last speeches, he was supposed to speak in Ontario, Canada, uh, but it was canceled because people there did not want him to speak. So hmm. was, you know, people didn't want him talking. Um, so I, I don't know that it ended great for him. I'd like to think that wow. it, it, it was the opposite, but it sounds not good. Yeah, wow. Joe, you did some reading into this too. Yeah, but. same thing. I mean, just reading about Bass saying like that he thinks he got stolen back into slavery. Just it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, I know he did a lot of work with with uh, the Underground Railroad mm -hmm. and yeah. and all that too. Yeah. So you're wondering. I mean, anytime you're working with that, this, you know things yeah, could go put south. Put out there, yeah. Yeah, and, and you wonder. There's probably people who knew who he was that were gunning for him too. So I'm sure. I mean, he took the guys who drugged him to trial. He took. You know, he he fought. And it was four years after he he escaped that he basically they don't have any documentation of him. Is that what it's, it's about? It's very yeah. scary. How old was he when he was uh, on the twelfth year when he was released? So he was born eighteen oh eight or oh nine, somewhere around there. So quick math, someone eighteen fifty two. Forty four. Yeah, mid forties. Forty four. So he's unaccounted for at around forty eight. Yeah, God, it's very wow. sad. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild stuff. Yeah, you hope, you know, because I, because it was almost like when I when I saw the epilogue and I, you know, read read the text, I was like, part of me was like, okay, well, I hope he just like he and his family moved far away somewhere to Canada and just lived a quiet life and yeah. just and that's and that's it. Yeah. And change his name or change his identity. Say I want to. Yeah, I want to believe it, so I'm believing that. There it is. That, yeah, maybe I, just. Yeah, I mean, hey. There is that possibility too, sure. you know, sure. is that you, know, you just wanted to get off the grid and recommendations where you'd go next with this one. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I had a hard time with oh, this. Oh, such first. a hard time. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. did. I, I ended up very happy with mine, but it, it took a while. It took a while to get to my second view of this to really to click. Joe, where did you end up with? I was all over the place trying to think of the happiest movie I could think of. I was trying to think, I was thinking of what would be like kind of the next spiritual cousin to this movie. And I ended up just focusing on my MVP, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and I really love him in The Martian, so I'd recommend The Martian next. Cool. Yeah, movie I, I think yeah. is fantastic. I think he's just so good in it, and I think that would that would make it, you know, just really focus on him. As just a little bit of isolation. Actor. Yeah. A little bit of isolation themes there, too, with that. Right. Absolutely, and just maintaining hope in hopeless situations. Yes, yeah. okay, good one, good one. Um, mine is... Um, my recommendation is Black Klansman. Talks about similar themes, especially when you talk about the epilogue at the end where all these guys are brought to trial and justice isn't really done. That kind of fits in with the themes of that movie, uh, Black Klansman too. And uh, you know, the whole tie-in tie -in with uh, Birth of a Nation, that was, kind of a, that was kind of made after the Civil War, but it was the South that still wanted slavery and stuff like that. It ties in with that. Theme yeah. also. Some good performances in that movie. That's a, for it's sure. a, it's a great movie. Yeah. Denzel Washington's son is it? Yeah, yeah John, John David. He's very good. Washington. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver, who's good yep. in everything yeah, he's, he's in. And yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. Very solid. Good choices. Good choices there. Steve, what'd you end up with here? I didn't pick a film. 
Okay. Yeah, recommendations. Yeah, right, do it. It doesn't. You can pick a TV show. You can pick whatever you right. want. I tackled before this. I, I tackled the Grant, Ulysses Grant autobiography, which kind of spans the whole 19th century. Um, you know, leading up through the Civil War and and watching this film, you get a piece of Louisiana and you get a piece of slavery and what's happening. But what's happening? on a whole in the United States, I think is really important to understand. Um, so I'm not saying to read a 900 page book. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna sit here and say I did. I listened on Libby. Libby is an app that you could download on your phone and listen to, to novels and books. Um, I did half of the memoir on that and I read the other half because okay. I was going back and forth doing that the last two days. But with Grant, um, I think it gives you a big 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 chunk of what's going on in the united states during this time period um and i think as a follow-up to this if you're interested in history and care about what the what the hell was going on in the u.s during this time period that book covers a lot of stuff interesting yeah and libby is essentially it's like a basically a library for books on tape right so you don't have to it's the best thing i've found so basically you put in your town um, library card into the app and it hooks up with the library and you could just hit boom like you know borrow this book and you can borrow it for 21 days the first one I did was The Devil in the White City which oh, actually, I wanted to read that um, is a horrifying yeah it's book. AJ Holmes fiction yeah and Leonardo DiCaprio actually bought the rights to this yeah. film uh, it's about the Chicago World Fair uh, in the late yeah. 1800s, and Great I'm not going to go off the tangent right now, but Libby, and then yeah, Listening I... to Grant is a book that I would probably fall asleep if I was trying to read it somewhere, yeah. but listening to it and learning about the, you know, this whole time period and how Grant meets Abraham Lincoln, and, and, and it talks about slavery, it talks about uh, the North and the South and stuff, and all these themes that we, we kind of talked about tonight. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And, I love that. Overdrive is another app that works for that too. Libby yeah. Overdrive. I've never somewhere, heard of that one. Somewhere else. So connect with your local libraries and, and get yourself. That's and great. if you're a, a loyal BPC listener, you know, you'll have no problem sitting and listening to someone talk about Grant for 900 pages. It's 48 hours. Wow. Yeah, so. Right. Three hour chunks. It took yeah. me like four months. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, with this, like I said, I had a hard time. Ultimately, where I I found the connection was with the music thread and and music and and oppression in film. And this is not a film that I would really go about recommending in general, yeah. you know, because it's very dark and very heavy. But it just ties in very closely with this. And if you if you were super into this one, I think this is one you should check out if you haven't seen it. Because you, there's a lot to talk about with this film tied with that. And I, I went with 2003's The Pianist, uh, starring Adrian Brody, directed by Roman Polanski. It's we're talking the Holocaust here, and we're yeah. talking similar ideas where you have this this masterful piano player who is very close with his family, and life is normal, and then all of a sudden his town's taken over, and he is just pushed into oppression and pushed into into to the camp so it uh ties in thematically really okay. well with it it's pacing wise is not quite as efficient and and viewer friendly as i can't believe i it just <laughs> called 12 years of slave viewer friendly but uh, first time for everything yeah right 
it's it's a long movie. It's a dark movie. It's a heavy movie. It's a movie I'll probably never revisit. But if you're if you're really looking to dig deeper into these themes, and it, I think it's again, I would more comfortably say that Twelve Years a Slave is required viewing. Yeah. I don't know that the penis is necessarily required viewing. I think there's other places I would go as far as the Holocaust goes to tell to okay. tell people to watch. But I think it ties in pretty well with this one. So I, and 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 it's it's a fine movie that. Very well, could have could have won Best Picture too. He's also won Best Director and didn't, yeah. didn't win Best Picture. So I've never seen that one. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so we have The Pianist, The Martian, Black Klansman, and what's the name of the uh, the Grant autobiography? Grant. It's just Grant. Yeah. Grant. Check it out on Libby. Check it out on Overdrive or buy the book and and turn the pages too. And I think maybe also we can throw a recommendation out there for the Twelve Years a Slave memoir. I mean, it's five and a half hours on Libby as opposed to forty eight hours. Which is <laughs> and how many pages in, in the book? hundred I have it right here it is 230 ish 230 ish yeah and yeah. and for the hardcore BPC fans at home only three episodes we've had the source material sitting on the table with us this is the third one yeah the other two were the lost weekend and Oliver Oliver yes yep. those three yes um I just for some for some reason I just thought of a uh, another good recast for for bass okay all right Chris Cooper uh yeah yeah, young Chris Cooper. I could see it. Chris yeah. Cooper can do anything. Yeah. Okay, one to fives. Here we are. We're going to uh, put this one in the BPC calculator here. First one is the performances. The yeah. second is how the movie is presented, how it's shot, everything that you see coming through to you on screen, visually and, and audibly. And then finally, the story, how it's told, the themes, and how they're delivered. We start with performances. Joey, kick it off here. I'm a five. Five on performance. Yeah, I think everyone from the main actors to 95% of the people coming in for pieces, the Danos, G Giamatti's, just, are just so unbelievably effective in something so difficult. Grant. Yeah, um, same as Joey, five, and for exactly the same reason Joey said. Um, there's only one performance that, that kind of stands out to me as not incredible. Mm -hmm. Everything else, everyone else brings their A game, and it's... Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Steve? Yeah, five, no doubt. Um, the acting was was perfect. I, I didn't think anything, you know, you could argue the Paulsons and the Pitts and stuff like that, but, you know, the way the other actors knocked out of the park yeah. keeps it up there at the five. Also a five for me, we talk about what you want out of this category, and, you know, sometimes it's a big ensemble cast for everybody that is a little bit to add to a greater whole. Other times it's just one or two monster performances and people piecing it. This is both. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a movie that, re that requires the Academy to, to reward it. They did. It's a five for sure. It's an easy five for me. How the movie shot, how it's presented. Grant. <sighs> I, I kept on going back and forth between a four and a five. Uh, I think kind of think we can give it a five. The, the editing, the costume design, the lighting, the um, the set design, everything is just was exactly what it needed to be to tell the story effectively. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, there's 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 no there's no weak points in it. Yeah, Steve. I have one small weak point. Mm -hmm. Small. And the title probably takes it away, I guess. So I'm just being overcritical, maybe. It says 12 years a slave, so you know how long he's a slave. But I, I would have liked a better timeline. Like, 
Yeah, they show some gray patches in his hair, like, yeah. towards the Wanted end. to see him, like, age a little more. Yeah, like, not even just see him age, or maybe, like, throw some writing down on the bottom, like, year six, or... I have a question, um, though, because I thought that was done kind of to show the chaos, that he doesn't even know. Does, was he aware in the book of, of the, the timeline? Time? Yeah, he's aware of the Oh, he was, okay. But it's like, in the movie, like, you see him start to get, like, gray patches, and... You know, when he, see, when he sees weathered. his wife at the end, he looks weathered. Yeah, makeup yeah. is makeup goes under the second category would be presentation. Okay. Sorry. No, no, yeah, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's a presentation. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, it's my yeah, bad. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just felt like if I if the movie was entitled Twelve Years a Slave, then I wouldn't know how long sometime a slave that he's been there. How long yeah. he's been there for, yeah. and I just think it should have been they should have handled the time a little bit better. So I would give it like a four point eight there. Like, just a slight... We don't do points. Well, we don't do points. You got to commit to a four or a five. I'd do a four then. Okay. They run down. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's your... Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. it. Absolutely. Kieran? Or Joey? Yeah, Joey. I went a five. For good, bad, or otherwise, I was 100% immersed in that world, and I felt all of it. I went five. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just... I looked at it, and I just said, where could I knock this from a technical standpoint? Whether it was the cinematography, whether it was the sound, or... The editing or as it's coming through to the screen and I just had nowhere to knock it I mean to me it's they all nailed it you know they all nailed it and they they presented this as well as they could I gave it a five story how it's told Steve you go first yeah I would say it's a five I mean they took the memoir and they put that into vision a couple liberties here or there to change things up a bit and we spoke about that already but I don't know. I think this is up there with one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah. That was a bold statement. I wow. saw Masterclass earlier. I, I think it's, like you said, it's perfect. I'm being nitpicky on the timeline because yeah. I'm like, ah, I, I can't tell how long it's been. But that shouldn't matter anyways. So otherwise, I think it's a, a perfect film. So 4.8, we could get you to a 5 on that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> for, for the, I mean, I love the cinematography. I love the editing. I love the camera angles. I love Steve McQueen. I love the acting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that this, compared to Gravity, is Gravity shouldn't even be in the conversation. I should well. Be here. That's my viewpoint on it. All right. So we have Stories How It's Told. Grant. It's getting the 15 from me. It's getting all fives. Five, five, five. Yeah, it's um, can't find anything wrong with it. I think it's just that simple. It's it's a story that's the story that could have easily been a slog, could, could have easily been bloated, was streamlined into something that for such a heavy movie and for such a disturbing movie, it's extremely accessible. Um, just in terms of of the pacing and and how uh, and just how efficiently the story is told. Yeah. What's up, Joe? Five, five, five. Five, yeah. five, five. This Joey. could have gone wrong <clears throat> more ways, and they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I came into this category. This is the one where I kind of like, I took a step back for a second and, and thought a little bit about a previous episode. And that episode is the American Beauty episode, which is about such different subject material than this. It's really talk about like, yeah. Like first world problems versus real know. problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I said in that is is that is that it, if, if the movie is not accessible to everybody, can it really get a five here? And if if there's if there's subject material that's going to upset someone or, or turn them off and 
and you know maybe maybe they're not you can't recommend it to everybody if you can't push it on everyone can you really give it a five and in my in my instance with american beauty the answer was no and that's why i gave it a four and i stand by that i i I think that, that that movie is a four. So I, I I analyzed that with this movie, and then this is before this is before I, I talked to you, Steve, about the subject, the um the source material and, and how close it was with that. And before I got there and, and, and talked to you about that, I, I ultimately said it doesn't matter whether you wanna watch this or not. It doesn't matter whether this makes your day better or makes your day worse. This shit's real. This happened. This is not a, a movie that was dressed up by Hollywood. This is not a movie that has been fantasized mm. by any stretch of the imagination. This is something that you need to confront. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we said it today with the required viewing. And this is required viewing. It doesn't matter whether you feel good or not about recommending it to somebody. You should see this movie. And the fact that it, it's that true to the source material just confirms that. You know, and it, it's it's a five 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 for me for sure. Awesome. And well said. yeah, I I I I'm, I'm confident in that one. So yeah. I locked that one in. Yeah. I'm happy recommending it to people. Like some, yeah. Some might say I don't know if I want to recommend that. It's too heavy. Like you I'm need to watch it. Well, talking yeah. about it for days to right. people. Like hey, have you seen Twelve Years Slave? Like, and I have no problem telling people uh, what I think. And I say you should watch this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think it's 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 something that you. You say watch this movie, but you have to give them the, the caveat that it's it's not an easy watch. Yeah, of course. but right. you need, but you should really really need to watch it. I love the five great five fives. Yeah, fives across four, maybe a four point eight in the mix, but you know, yeah, it's fives. Yeah. All right, there it is. Yes, yeah, all right, fives. well done. Five. So, as we say, this is not a who should have won podcast. We do like to discuss the other movies that were nominated in that given year normally we save the big dog for last like the one we thought might have been the runner-up or the one that's most most topical to talk about but i think we have to confront this now steve you've alluded to it a few times here and as we mentioned this is probably you know i don't want to go as far as say that this is the closest a runner-up has ever been because i'm i'm sure there's someone on film twitter who's going to come screaming and yelling at me because that's always a hot topic there was who the sixth place movie is who the runner-up was <laughs> all that stuff but we're going to talk about gravity now and uh, if you didn't haven't seen gravity and and you don't want any spoilers this is a good time to either fast forward or tune out but it's a movie i watched today for the first time steve you watched it this week for the first time grant you saw it in the full experience in the movie theaters but not yeah but a long time ago, whenever it came out. And Joe, you yeah. saw it on a plane. So we have a lot of different experiences going on here. I guess, Grant, you saw it in its in the way it was meant to be seen. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about it? I mean, it's I was visually blown away by this movie. Mm -hmm. um, it looks gorgeous. Uh, the effects of floating floating around through space and, and the, the destruction of the, you know, of the you know, colliding... Uh, satellites and all that it looked it looked immense it looked fantastic but I, I do remember watching the movie was okay that was a visual spectacle but I felt the story was lacking I don't know if I if I watched it again if I would have a different opinion about it mm -hmm. um, but I remember being kind of underwhelmed by the story but being like really happy I saw that in movie theaters see now that's that's interesting to me and I, I did not get to experience it in that in that respect, as far as like the the bigger theater experiences, and and that you know it makes some sense to me that the storyline would have gotten would have gotten overlooked in yeah. in that sense. I 
I'm too full with the story here. Joe, Joe I want to hear what you have to say about it first. I mean, how long ago? I don't know how fresh it is on your mind. It's been a couple of years. I saw it on a plane. Um, I, something I wanted to see in the theaters, but I just didn't. didn't. Um, I saw it on a plane, and I remember thinking, I wish I saw it in the theaters because I felt like the story didn't hit, and it actually reminded me of Avatar. Is when I saw Avatar, it looked so okay. cool that I thought, wow, that was amazing. And then as I was driving home, I was like, no, that was looked really cool, but the story was not there. So mm-hmm. as I got further away, so seeing it in a probably a 10-inch Delta screen, I was <laughs> yeah, like, hurt, hurt. Yeah. it was just all story. And the story, I just think, I remember, my, I was like, I really wish I saw that on a, in a theater because... I never need to watch that again. Yeah, I I thought there were elements of the screenplay that were super weak. Were super weak. You know, particularly the first ten minutes of them just chatting. It seems super unnatural. All I, that I do think the movie plays like a really like a pretty strong allegory for yeah. for depression and all that. I don't think that there was all that hidden. You know, I think it's, it's well. I kind mean, of, they, had, they had the whole thing where she was in the fetal position, and at the right. end, she's walking on two legs. Yeah, and, it and yeah. and I like the movie a lot. I really do. Okay. I, I think it's I think it's a super strong movie. I think it's I think it's a really good movie. You had the technical aspects to it. it. You know, it borders on a great movie. You know, there's there's times in it where they're a little bit maybe heavy handed with the idea that they're gonna gonna they're doing the allegory thing and. And that, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, escaping depression and all that stuff. And it, it, it kind of, it isn't, it isn't heavy handed and it isn't over the top with it. Right. But it borders it and it straddles it. And, sure. and I wish that they kind of would have had the confidence to, to take a step back and not, you know. And, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little more as I have one specific example. But Steve, I, wanna, I just want to get your, your thoughts on it too. Yeah, I mean, I recently watched it for the first time and... You know, when you have a $100 million budget, I, I expect to see something awesome. And I thought it looked really awesome. I thought the story was meh. Like, I, I mean, I love Sandra Bullock. I, I love George Clooney. Um, I just felt like something was missing in the story, but it looked real cool and realistic. Like, I'm real anti-CGI. I, I walk around telling people that for no reason. <laughs> I hate CGI, and I like acting, and, and, like, what 12 Years a Slave was to me was, damn, that was acting, and that was beautiful, and all these things. Whereas Gravity, to me, seemed like, all right, that's a spectacle of beauty, and it looked real. I felt like I was in outer space. I was like, damn, this is cool. Um, but that, I thought it was cool. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Uh, you used a word with me today. We we're just chatting a little bit about it. It's, it's underdeveloped. I think it is. You know, I, I think I, I might have disagreed with you today when when you said it, but I, I thought about it. And I think that there's. It's ultimately underdeveloped, and it's. And I don't get me wrong. I'm never going to argue with a movie being 90 minutes. I think 90 minutes is, <laughs> is an amazing experience. It would, it would be hard for that movie to be longer than that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it should be 15 to 20 minutes longer. I want okay. flashbacks maybe to their life a little bit to get more development, or even just better conversation. Yeah. The yeah. conversation in the movie stinks. Very weak. It yeah. stinks. Yeah. Yep. It's 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 like if I sat down today and just did a first draft of a screenplay. And it's like wrote it real down really fast. Like that's like the stuff that I would have them say. And then no one comes in and then says, "All right, well, this isn't how people talk to each right. other." Yeah. And and you know, there's an amazing scene with it toward the end of the movie where you know where Clo- where Clooney reemerges and, and talks to her. Right. And that's great. The stuff in the beginning is super. Is is that pissed me off when Clooney came back because I thought he came back. Okay, so I, I kind of liked that it was in her head. I loved it too, yeah. but. I see. Here's one. This is like, I'm not. I'm not the type of 
guy who like tries to guess the next step of movies. Steve, you are. You like to know. Like you like to you're find, in, figure out the, the twist for the ride. Yeah, I like yeah. the twist. This this one, I looked at it. I'm like, oh wow. I hope that this isn't real, and I hope yeah. that they. I did the th- same thing. I just hope they don't even maybe tell you or like what. And then and then because I'm like, because if he comes back, like this is like, so, and it just it worked out the way I wanted it to, but it was kind of just. It, it was almost like they wanted, like they wanted you to read the deeper themes, but they didn't want you to be smart enough to do it. Yeah, let me infer. Yeah, but it, but it, but they were, it, it it straddled the line, so yeah, it was no, still it was still really good. It was still really good, yeah. and I still really liked it. But it could have been, it really could have taken the next step of being great if they would have just had some had some slight more. Here's a perfect example: when uh, she's letting, she has to let Clooney go to the. Just to cut him loose, yeah. and he's going to go off in oblivion to never be seen again. As he's leaving, he yells out. And, of course, she lost her daughter, and it's crippled her as a person. And she, you know, that's the whole point of this is that right. this is, she's, out, she's out in space as her grief. As he's floating away, he yells, you need to learn to let go. There's too much telling in that line. Yeah. The line should be, he should look at her. As they're holding, he should look at her seriously, and he should say her name, let go. Let go. Yeah. And go. There's – because that can be read both ways. That can be read with the physically let go, I'm toast, you know I'm toast, let me go. And emotionally. Let go. Not you need to learn to let go. That's too much. And I thought that that's just like that little subtle line in there was just why the movie just kind of was a little short. Sure. A a little short for me. That being said, really good movie. A movie I'll watch again. Tech, the technical achievements of the movie we got to mention. The I mean, yes, it's a it's a hundred. This is this is where we get into the debate of the two movies here. Hundred million dollar budget, Steve. Was that the yeah verse twenty? But you know, the flip side of that is Twelve Years a Slave, shot in thirty days. It's an easier movie to put together. Yeah, yeah you get some costume designs and you're drawn out acting from people that. It takes a special human to take to, to be able to draw that out of your actors and to show these lashings and the blood and all this stuff. Whereas I think it, I could be wrong. I, I definitely could be wrong. But when you get a hundred million dollar budget and all the technology in the world, I better see a product like that. I don't know. Four years of production for Gravity. It's a it's a mega undertaking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. And listen, the other side of it too is this movie came out. With 2013, talking eight years ago as of the time of this recording. Have you seen anything more visually impressive since? No, it looks great. I mean, it's 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 timeless technology yeah. at its peak. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think that that movie is as cheap as a green screen. I mean, they went in and you know they put they put Sandy Sandy Bullock in the uh, yeah in the in the thing spinning around. Ten hours. So, what, what what was it? I, she was in oh like a. Picture like the Gravitron when you were a kid, or like Zipper when you're on like a machine like ride. Yeah, she would stay there for ten hours at a clip, and it would bring her food and these things. Good God! So she was dedicated for sure. Um, did you guys see Interstellar? Yeah, yeah. You know what do you think's better? Interstellar. Yeah, me yeah. Too. I think yeah. Interstellar. It's I personally question. prefer Gravity. I know like, RDB like, will like just the, the ninety yeah. minutes um, <laughs> the 90 versus, versus the three hour. Interstellar's not a no. I, I, just, I love Interstellar. Yeah. I'm re- it said like movies after Gravity finished today. It said, "Oh, movies like this, Interstellar, Interstellar popped up streaming. I'm watching it this week." Like, yeah, 
Uh, God, I don't, I don't want to start being, you know, being a heel here. But like, I, I just feel like Interstellar's a movie, and I know Artie B will disagree. It's, Artie B loves both movies, but I just feel like Interstellar's a movie that just tries to do a little bit too much, and yeah, I, it's I just, it's on the lower end of the Nolan movies for me. I like it. I, yeah. I like it a lot. I'm not saying I dislike it. I, it and d- the lower end of a Nolan movie is a good movie, you yeah. know. But but then, but then maybe they could have taken Gravity instead of making it a cool movie to an amazing movie if they went a little deeper with some of the stuff there I just uh, yeah but I don't know the inter- to me I don't know the Interstellar is an amazing movie either I don't know it's a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough take I, I think McConaughey alone in that one scene when he's like seeing his daughter and he's like crying remember that, that oh scene? yeah yeah that's like, a great that scene, scene alone it's a great performance like, yeah. I, I just think there's just chilling. so much to that movie I didn't movie. feel any goosebumps during Gravity no I think Chris, sometimes Christopher Nolan wants to have it all though and he doesn't know when to <laughs> spin the word of the night, but when to show restraint. I don't yeah. think Christopher Nolan is capable of showing restraint, and and I think that that comes through a little bit in in that movie. But I would argue is... that great films make you feel things, and hair might stand up on your arm or your back, or a tear might fall out of your eye, or and you didn't feel anything happened. with Gravity. With gravity, I fell asleep. Yeah. For yeah. five minutes. Gravity made me, I wished I saw it on the big screen, and yeah. then I said never. Interstellar, I've seen probably Gravity five or like six times at this point. Me, like a $5 right. admission ride. Yeah, I mean, where I looked at it, too, was is that if, if and we're talking in 12 Years a Slave versus Gravity, I mean, if you if you were adamant on the on the Gravity side of things, I don't think I'd really argue with you, because I, I just think it, it comes down to what type of, movie you like or what type of film you like i'm the type of well i'm the type of person who gravitates who gravitates towards (laughs) toward the 12 years of slave type of thing where it's it's more yeah well but it's also more acting driven right it's like i want to see a bunch of actors wearing cloth out in out in louisiana you know i want more bugs you know more bugs (laughs) you you want the world and i can argue and i argue with this all the time there's films and there's movies yeah film 12 Years a Slave, in my eyes, is a film. It's a, it's a work of art. Gravity is a movie to me that I'm paying to see for entertainment. That's mm. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, both have their merits. I, I mean, yeah. sure, I, I, I am someone that loves over-the-top CGI popcorn movies. I, I love movies like that, but I appreciate movies like 12 Years a Slave so much more. Yeah. And um, maybe if I saw Gravity now, I would appreciate the, the story more, but... I think a lot of it had to do with me just being over, like overtaken by the effects, like you said. I'd be interested on in your if you revisited it, what you thought. I think that I I don't view that as a popcorn, just a popcorn movie. I, I think, think it's I, I, I think don't think it's a it little is. better than I don't, that. I think it's more than that, but it's, yeah. It so was, it, it it won it won seven Oscars, the most of its decade, including cinematography, directing, film editing, score. Sound editing, sound mixing, and visual effects. So it was also nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Sandra Bullock in a leading role. And it was nominated for production design, too. So, yeah, there, there's Gravity. Joey, what do you got next? American Hustle, a con man, Irving Rosenfeld, along with his seductive partner, Sidney Proser, is forced to work for a wild FBI agent, Rick, Richie DeMasso, who pushes them into a world of Jersey power brokers and the mafia, Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Artie's favorite, Jeremy Renner, directed by <laughs> David O. Russell. Nominated for 10 Oscars. Did it win one? I don't think so, right? Did not win any, but it was nominated for 10. So it was, yeah. you know, 
best writing, best achievement in production design, film editing, directing, costume design, best actress in a supporting role, actor in a supporting role, actress in a leading role, actor in a leading role, and best movie. Directed by the controversial David R. Russell. David O. Russell. Yeah. Um, I gotta be honest, has anyone seen I've seen American it. Hustle? Yeah. You have. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say a nice thing about it. It's kind of... Do you have nice things to say? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's well acted, yeah. it, it, but it's whatever. Yeah. It's it's a char- it's a character study movie that's like if you're looking for a like there's a plot but it's not really about the plot it's about right. the people. It's about the people. It's just their star studded cast. Right. It's, yeah. I just it's it one is, that I've like I looked at them like oh that looks interesting but then when I bring it up they're like don't see it don't see it. It's so not bad. It's not like you're not gonna like watch it and be like oh that was a waste of time. Right. But it's not great. Right. And this is coming off the heels of like the boxer the and the Silver Linings Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Silver Linings Playbook. Two great movies. And this one was kind of like supposed to be like his big thing, and just yeah, it just fell short. It was fine. It fell flat. It's fine. Talk about what's probably in last place, and that's Philomena. Philomena, a world-weary political journalist, picks up the story of a woman's search for her son who was taken away from her decades ago after she became pregnant and was forced to live in a convent. And that one is directed by Stephen Frears, starring Judy Dench, who scored a nomination. Yeah. Philomena. Anybody? Nope. Good for Philomena. Good for Philomena. It got in the mix. We're talking about it today. That's all that matters. Captain Phillips is next. The true story of Captain Richard Phillips and the 2009 hijacking by Somali pirates of the U.S.-flagged MV Marsk, Alabama, the first American cargo ship to be hijacked in 200 years, starring Tom Hanks, Catherine Keener, directed by Paul Greengrass. Had nominated for six Oscars. The, su- the supporting actor. The um, it is my ship now. Oh, that's right. I'm the captain now. Right, yep. right. Barkhand Abdiram. Ah, oh, the shoes on the other foot here <laughs> with the pronunciations. The hands, huh? the hands on the other shoe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> best performance actor in supporting role. Best uh, editing, sound editing, sound mixing, and adapted screenplay. Has anyone seen Captain Phillips? I have not. Steve, you saw it. Yeah, it's it's better than than Gravity. Wow, jeez! Oh boy, he's 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 out for blood now. I take Steve over here. Steve's the captain now. (laughs) He's badass. Um, I only saw it once. I'm gonna rewatch it again. So I uh, maybe that was a hot take on Gravity, but I just remember being like, okay, why aren't more people talking about this film? Like, I, I felt like it was action packed. Tension, suspense. Um, it was good. Wow, cool. Was it was a hit in the theaters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. huge. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my ignorant hot take of the of the episode. I feel like I'm due for one. Nice, Artie style. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm not super into this like late career Tom Hanks. I play real people with the story around him. Whether it's Captain Phillips, whether it's Sully, whether it's uh, Saving Mr. Banks, whether it's uh, the uh, with the Mr. Rogers movie. I've seen none of these movies. I don't know. Like I'm just saying, my yeah. interest isn't peaked. The by Mr. Them. Rogers movie is fantastic. Is it? I'm sure they're all lovely movies. Like, <laughs> I don't, but like I, I just don't get my interest doesn't get peaked. I want to see him play like a, like a Road to Perdition character again. Or well, he did that right with the um, the news of. News of the news World. Of the world. Of the world. And, was... and has anyone seen News of the World? No, I really did not want to see News of the World. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> yeah. But he's a Civil War veteran in that movie, so maybe we should. Yeah, <laughs> modern-day Western. Or, or not a modern-day Western, but yeah. a, a um, 
2020 right. Western, which you don't yeah. get a lot. Next, we're going to do a movie that I watched this past year and was blown the fuck away by, and that movie's Her. I have not seen have you guys that. heard I of Her? Oh, yeah. Her. Steve, have you heard of Her? Uh, I heard it's I've great. I've seen it. So, so I, this is a movie that I saw the premise of, and someone recommended it to me, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, there's no fucking way that yeah. I'm going to watch that movie. And it's because he says, well, you know, or the premise is, is that it's a movie about a guy who falls in love with his operating system. So yeah. he falls in love with AI. Alexa or Siri. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's the last fucking thing I ever want to watch. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it. And he goes, dude, please, please watch it. And I looked at it with Spike Jones, and I have good respect for, like Spike, for Jones. Spike Jones yeah. a lot. It's Joaquin Phoenix. It's the sultry voice of Scarlett Johansson. And I, I did it. And it's an experience. It's an absolute experience. I highly recommend the and movie. Also hit, starring how many misses does he have? Spike Jones. Uh, Spike Jones no. or Phoenix? Phoenix? Very few. Right. Yeah. yeah, very few. I saw I saw her in theaters and I loved it. Also starring Amy Adams. Also starring Rooney Mara. Chris Pratt's in the mix. It's a movie. It's not a movie that's going to make you feel very good. I'll tell you right now. But it's hitting on deep themes and it's it's something. Okay, and it's simply. In a near future, a lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship with an operating system designed to meet his every need. Check it out. You know, I mean, like I said, it was it was a recommendation to me that I defied until I, I, I did it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that Thor Ragnarok or Into the Spider-Verse <laughs> the same way. But her hit all, checked all the boxes for me. It's just that emotional drama that makes you think and makes you think about where we're going with any of this technology stuff right. and, and but it's but it's rooted in it's rooted in human emotion which yeah. is which is most important so next is uh wolf of wall street all right it's wolf of wall street based on the true story of jordan belfort from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living in the high life to his fall involving crime corruption in the federal government leonardo dicaprio jonah hill margot robbie matthew mcconaughey directed by martin scorsese nominated for five oscars D dicaprio jonah hill lead and supporting actor. Talk about that screenplay, though. Best writing adapted screenplay. Terrence Winter. Terry Winter. Yeah. Soprano. He wrote, yeah. he wrote Pine Barrens for uh, The Sopranos. He's a, he's a, he's a yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he was one of the, one of their key writers. And yeah. Highly recommends the Talking Sopranos episode. His first appearance on that. Go check it out. It's, you got it. It's uh, amazing yeah. stuff. Just him talking about becoming Empire a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. Boardwalk, big Boardwalk Empire guy. Wolf of Wall Street got to be probably the most popular movie of any of these as far as like twenty twenty one goes. I, so. I love I love this movie. I think it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite Scorsese movies. It's for me. It's a movie I enjoy a lot. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, very watchable and fun. It's I, I don't consider it a great movie. I don't really consider it like a best picture caliber nominee. That's just me. I mean, I kind of view it as like a funny comedy. I think the source material is about an absolute piece of shit. Who doesn't oh, yeah. deserve any? Who doesn't deserve any real credit? And the fact that Martin Scorsese put him in the movie is real regrettable to me. You know, um, so I, I have some personal issues with the movie as far as that goes. I think you can make a movie, you can tell a story about the about someone like that, but just putting him in the movie to me is a little cringy. That, that's just a me thing. Yeah, unbelievable performances from Leo and and um, and, and Jonah Hill, who's not my favorite, but is just fantastic in this movie. Margot Robbie's great, and got to shout out my boy. Kyle Chandler, Coach Taylor, plays the FBI agent. Yeah, this boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great presence in this movie. Yeah, that's that's a great. Um, he has a great arc in that movie too. 
Yeah. Steve, Wolf of Wall Street. I like to bet on the rewatch. I saw it in the theaters, and I'm like, I left there kind of pissed off because I didn't like the guy. And yeah, that's smart. Like it's far for the course for Marty, I didn't though. Like he likes the to portrayal they do that. of Wall Street, having like kind of worked in finance a bit in my life. I thought it was kind of goonish, and I, I didn't like. I'm a teacher. I didn't like how the high school kids were digging it and thinking it was cool to be like that guy. So I kind of have like a weird perspective on it, like listening to. 14 and 15 year olds talk about how cool Jordan Belfort was and even today when I ask the kids like questions like hey like you know what do you want to be when you know you grow up and it's like stupid questions like that it, at least one of the kids says kids say Jordan Belfort yeah, well, then, the they, problem. Then, then they didn't understand yeah, then, like, yeah the problem is they me, didn't like, understand it so they kind of Wolf of Wall Street uh, it kind of bothers me but then I rewatched it and I laughed a ton yeah, so it's like, oh, it's, it's I, I, hilarious. I, but it's it's one of those things though, like where I watch it and it is funny, but it's also like it's it's an interesting allegory of being how easily it is to get wrapped up in this oh, yeah. lifestyle and how easy how easily it is to become corrupt. Yeah, I choose Wall Street over Wolf of Wall Street. The lemon lewd scene is one of the fu- like funniest things. Oh, I've that's ever great. Seen. Yeah. Like, Get the ludes. Um, I, a couple shout outs I got to throw out here. First of all, John Bernthal, who's an underrated actor, yeah. Yeah. really, really good in this one. Rob Reiner in this movie is great. fire. He is absolute fucking fire. Oh, these guys cure cancer? Yeah, they did cure cancer. That's why they were so expensive. I mean, in a year where Matthew McConaughey won Best Actor, he's arguably the best part of this movie. Yeah. yeah. The one, 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 of, uh, one of Leo's uh, cronies. Uh, is played by comedian Henry Zabrowski, who's uh, who has one of the one of the funnier, one, really funny true crime podcasts out there called Last Podcast on the Left. Henry Zabrowski. Yeah. Yep. He's um, sea otter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, if you're looking for like a really good true crime podcast, Last Podcast on the Left. Wow, I, I have heard of that one. It's great. Couple quick shots, John Favreau in the mix of this one too. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have to say, uh, it's BPC connected here. Jean Desjardins from The Artist. That's yes. right. Plays the yeah. Swiss banker. Yes. Kristen yes. Milioti's in it, who I I'm a big fan of. Spoke about that in other episodes. We spoke about that with the uh, the Oscars episode. Palm Springs. Right. And our big guy from Mallrats too. Who can't see the uh, the magic eye. <laughs> um, what's his name? Ethan, Ethan Soupe. Yes, Ethan Soupe. Okay, uh, two left here. We have uh, Nebraska. Joey, give us Nebraska. Nebraska. An aging, booze-addled father makes the trip from Montana to Nebraska with his estranged son in order to claim a million-dollar mega sweepstakes marketing prize. Starring Bruce Dern, Will Forte, June Squibb, Bob Odenkirk, Stacey Keach, directed by Alexander Payne, nominated for six Oscars, Picture of the Year, Best Actor, Bruce Dern, Best Supporting Actress, Best Achievement in Cinematography, Directing, and Original Screenplay. Yeah, Bruce Stern gets the, gets the nod here. Bruce Stern, who, um, if you're a fan of uh, Hateful Eight, he's the old he's mm-hmm. the old Civil War veteran in that, too. He's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. also. Yeah, and um, I love Alexander Payne. Really good, really good uh, visionary director. He does Sideways. is probably yep. okay. my favorite one by him. One. But uh, I've seen one scene from this movie and was blown away about them wanting to see Mount Rushmore and they're passing it in the exit and he's like, Dad, you know, like, Mount Rushmore, what do I see it? I don't want to see it. Like, Dad, we're right here. He's like, you literally, like, you're, you know, we'll never see it again for the rest of your life. We don't see it. I don't care. I don't want to see it. 
and like they just turn off the exit and look at it anyway. It's, it's just a real, real cool conversation. That uh, Payne's really good with that stuff. And finally, we have here Dallas Buyers Club. Steve, this is a, a big, a big, yeah, a big one of yours. Yeah, I have that above Gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was the second best movie uh, this year. Yeah, yeah. two yeah. for sure. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, Jared Leto. Come on, um, incredible movie. I, I did some research into that one. Definitely liberties taken here with uh, Hollywood type. But the stuff. family yeah. was involved and really like yeah. okay with what was going on. Like yeah. so, like they were supportive of things. Yeah, I mean, but just the two, the two leads alone, unbelievable. Were like. God, I mean, I, I avoid watching it because, again, a topic that I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. But another one I, I, I think most people should see. I yeah. think people should see Dallas Buyers oh, Club. And, and if you don't know, it's in 1985 Dallas, electrician and hustler Ron Woodruff works around the system to help AIDS patients get the medication they need after he's diagnosed with the disease. So heavy stuff, but just wonderfully acted movie and, and just... Um, yeah, just a great one. Go out and see it. Go out. I mean, this is a really strong year. It's a good yeah, really good just, year. I mean, there's a great a great lineup there. I, I the only one I really know little about it would be Philomena, and yeah. it's um I'm sure it's a, <laughs> I'm sure it's a really good movie. But guys, this was a lot of fun. I I had a blast. Um, it was I I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous coming into this just based on how heavy we of the material yeah. we were yeah. dealing with here, but I. I think you guys really crushed it as far as what you added to this. Steve, your first full Best best Picture Cast episode. Yeah. You're part of the, the crew is. now. Here. Yeah, it went well. Um, I was a little bit nervous as well talking about such a heavy topic, but I think it's an important topic to talk about, and I'm glad I was a part of it, and hopefully people are listen to this you know, jump into the book maybe a little bit and download Libby and, and start listening to some stuff that's important. Yeah, well, your skills as a as a history major are well, well appreciated here. It was a a, a, a lot of um, I don't know if I want to say it's a lot of fun, you know, talking about this stuff. But it was it was necessary. It was really rewarding. Yeah. It was yes, rewarding. Good yeah. dig, digging digging deep into this one. So, Grant, any final thoughts? Um, not really. I'm really um, I'm really honored to be a part of this episode in a in a in a way, continuing the tradition of me being on episodes about <laughs> the race and. And uh, and bigotry and all that. Uh, so, yeah, let me know next time you want to do a movie like this. Your landmine master. Yeah. Joey, closing thoughts. I think we did a really good job and did this movie a really, really good justice. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you out there for hanging with us for these. Uh, for these. And, and we're going to be back for more. We're starting up a, a big series coming up. We're doing all of our top ten movies. Awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. That should start debuting uh, on our off weeks here where we, we don't have a Best Picture podcast coming out. We're going to do a, a mix where in between. So it's going to be That's a lot awesome. of fun. Appreciate all of you. Please rate, review, subscribe. Get us on our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, Twitter. We're out there. We'll catch you guys next week. Went down to the River Jordan where John baptized three. Where I walk the devil in hell, says Johnny baptized me. I say, Roger and roll, Roger and roll. My soul arise, heaven, Lord, for the year and roll. Well, some say John was a Baptist, some say John was a Jew, but I say John was a preacher because my Bible says.